Hello, everyone, and welcome into a special edition of Debate Night. Found a way to hopefully do it. Fingers crossed. We'll see if it works. And um, yeah, so we're live over on Twitter Spaces. We're going to be bringing in a few different people here who have topics they want to debate and uh, get ready to roll. But Brody, I think you said you wanted to address something here before we got the ball rolling. Yes. So we obviously haven't done this in a really, really long time. And initially, this was the whole idea of debate night originated from these Twitter spaces that I was doing prior to debate night. And once we started, it seemed like the call-ins got very like, what's your favorite mid-range? What's your favorite tournament? It was very like just questions, which is fine, completely fine. And I think there is a time and a place for that. We might have something set up to where we end up um, maybe having an email address or something like that to where people send in their questions and then we can read some and answer them. But that wasn't really what the premise of Debate Night's podcast was supposed to be. And after, I don't know, several weeks of doing that, um, me having the Julius Caesar people never was a fun thing. Uh, we decided to just take the show off live, pre-record it with me and you and Silas pretty much in the mornings a lot of times because I was traveling and whatnot. And then we would just kind of post it later. And me and you have, de- you know, we've debated on some topics, disagreed on some, but it seems like there has been a spark on Twitter recently mainly based off of dress code. And that's kind of, we'll see if anyone calls in about that, but that was kind of like my, like, oh, wait a second. We have some people that actually might want to call in and debate us on stuff. Now, this is where, this is where it kind of gets tricky, right? Because you have to actually call in with something already in mind. Cause we've had people before call in and be like, well, what do you want to debate about? And it's like, well, that's not really what the show is. Like there's hours and hours and hours of, podcasts that me and you have sat down and talked and probably have said some ridiculous things like it's that this is the perfect time to bring up some ridiculous stuff that we have said that you don't believe is true or you disagree with and then we can talk it out so this is definitely not a hey i want to debate what do you want to debate on it's like i'm not i'm not trying to come up with things like everything i've said at least at this point i i feel like i believe so if you have something that you disagree with Love to hear it, and we can go from there. Um, but I think Silas is good. I think everyone's good. We got some people on here. I know, like I said, this is what this is where we'll see if the show continues because we could do potentially like a second debate night almost of where maybe we call it maybe maybe we change our an original debate night podcast to something else, and then debate night becomes this um, if we get people calling in, and and this show really only exists if we get people calling in. That's 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 what I want to say. No. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get in. I got a list kind of forming as people are requesting, so we'll try to get to you in the order you requested. Hopefully, I have it in the right order. Uh, but it looks like Evan's the first one up. So, Evan, no pressure, man, but here we go. Adding as a speaker. Yeah, starting us off here. A lot of time connecting. He's probably he's probably on the disc golf course somewhere. He might be. He might be. Or just getting off. He's like he's like a Silas, just pulling, just pulling himself off the disc golf course for this a long time yeah. connecting. I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb and say our yeah, first attempt at having someone on here is going to 
fail without them even attempting a conversation. We're 0 for they 1 already. Have, okay, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and add he needs, he needs some time. I think he needs, yeah, he needs some time. We're going to add Christian in here, see what's going on there. He's got a very fancy profile photo. He does. Very, very professional. professional looking. Hey, Brody. What's going All on, right. man? All right, we got Christian. So, go I don't it, know Christian. if talks about these, so I might be bringing a new topic or I might have missed Hold it. Hold on one second. Hunter, you can – hold on one second, Christian. Right. Hunter, just go ahead – and accept all the people that requested, and they should all mute themselves essentially, so that okay. way they're on the ready. So that way, when Christian's done, we can on to the next. Sorry, go, go ahead, Christian. You're good. All right. So one of the things that I had a question about, maybe y'all just give me an answer or debate on why they don't do it. But why do disc golf courses not have multiple pin locations for the same course? Like golf has different pin locations on the green. And do you think like that would be beneficial? It's just, like, just a question. Or like, do you think that'd be more beneficial of like instead of playing two courses, where some pros like complain about playing practicing for multiple courses, you practice the same course, pin location, so it brings difference to the same course. If that makes sense. Yeah. So this is what I'll say to that: is like you're not going to really be able to. I'm not a huge fan of courses that have, you know, as far as like a tour course goes, has pin locations that completely alter the shots that much. Uh, I think also that doesn't really do that well for spectators because you want to have, you know, we were talking about USCGC about how, how many holes USCGC you can like get a quick glimpse of it and know exactly where the player is and what they're trying to do. If we're having now wooded courses and even open courses with a bunch of different pin locations that make the holes different, I think it's really hard for spectators and viewers at home to have any idea. So what I would do, and just looking back at what USCDC does on like hole 17, is that how they have the, the basket that we play on Monday or on Thursday and Sunday, they have that a little bit closer to the water and a little bit closer to the left side of the green. And then the B location is like, 15 20 feet to the right it's a little bit safer you can throw like more of a bailout shot and still have like a 30 footer like that changes the hole but it but it's still like the same shot i would say they could do something like that on hole five they could have where the basket was this year where it was right out by the water they could have that maybe for the final two days saturday and sunday and then maybe the first two days, Thursday and Friday, it's in a little bit more of an attackable position, right? I, I'm a fan of that. I, I could totally be game for that. I just wouldn't want pin locations to change super drastic to where you have people throwing through this gap on this day. And then the next day you're having people throw through that gap. I feel like I kind of have changed my opinion on that. And that's mainly just from an entertainment standpoint when it comes to viewers at home uh, getting an idea for the course and actually like having a little bit of like, oh, wow, they, this shot, I know exactly what they're trying to do. No, that's what I, I, I think the same way. And that I just want to see where it's not the same shot. Like if you have to play to the front of the green one day and to the back of the green the next day, it just adds like 20 feet to a shot. But it makes it where it's sure. not just the same shot over and over again. And then I have sure. one more question, if that's all right. 
with the playoff coming up. So a lot of people have debated on if this is a good playoff format. And my idea for a good playback format is that what if the cut, so you have 80 at GMC, that cut that makes it to the final days to Maple Hill, if that would be the only people that get to go to MVP. So there's a, it doesn't feel like the playoffs are actually the playoffs because like you're still getting points. So if the playoffs would stop at the playoffs and then you're playing to get to the next weekend. So that cut is going to get you to the next weekend and then you get to the tour championship. I know it's going to be hard next year since yeah. it's back to back to back, but well, this, that would be my thought. This, this is what I'll say to that is like that just as, as a product standpoint, that's like a terrible idea. Because, again, this is like an individual sport, right? We have individual superstars. We have individual um, uh, players that are obviously like at the top and, and people want to go see those guys play. So just to kind of give an example with how the course – with how like everything is happening and the field's getting stronger and stronger, you would hate it how, you know, someone like Ricky who had arguably the best season because he obviously was the points leader after Maple Hill – if he just played terrible at Maple Hill or heck, if he got injured or something like that and he had a DNF or something happened to where he had, he missed the cut. Now all of a sudden he's not going to be at the final event, the way the playoffs, like obviously the, them calling it the playoffs, it's not really playoffs. They probably could have gone away with that and like made it, made it a little bit easier for people thinking about like, well, yeah, in the NBA playoffs or the NFL playoffs, you lose, you're out. You just can't you can't have one tournament factor in like someone's chance at going to the tour championship because they've done so much work to get there. It would be a shame for them to have one bad tournament because essentially they could they could you could have a situation where someone wins every single tournament and then doesn't make the cut. Obviously, that's a crazy hypothetical, but doesn't make the cut at Maple Hill and then doesn't make the tour championship. Um, so yeah, I'm not a fan of that. I think the way they're doing it's the right way of where you have these events at the end that are just worth more points. So there is that pressure. Um, I obviously felt it. People easily could have jumped me and I could have missed out if I didn't play well enough, uh, at Maple Hill. So I like the way they have it currently. And then if you're looking for chaos, the way they currently have it set up for the tour championship creates absolute chaos because anyone can go out and have a good day anyone can go out and have a bad day and you don't know. So yeah, but thanks for calling in. Oh, thank you. All right. Um, let's go back to Evan. Evan, if you're ready, floor is yours. Right, we are over one still. We got, we got questions. I don't, I don't know <laughs> if Christian was in here. We're trying not to have questions here, but we'll, we'll here. We'll see. We'll see if Evan's got some for us. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, what's going on, Evan? All right. Dude, have any of you guys watched that Formula One documentary or watched any Formula One at all? Yeah. What if disc golf had something like that with the manufacturers where you had, like, your you know, your singles, like, world champion points, and you had, like, a company world champion points where, you know, at the end is of the year, let's say... question, Evan? Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's kind of a little bit. I mean, maybe. I thought maybe it might spark something, but I don't know. Something I've been kind of thinking about. Are you saying this 
should should what formula one what netflix did for because that's the thing is like formula one didn't do anything netflix did it no, i think he's talking about no, the uh, the cup oh you're saying yeah 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 oh, yeah. oh you're, you're saying yeah no i i think right now the way the manufacturers kind of run disc golf right now i don't the re the way formula one works obviously is because because the cars are so expensive, the teams are so expensive. It makes sense. And it's also like, you're not going to really have, it's going to be hard to find someone willing to throw that much money into that, um, into like owning a team, right? Like it's, it, I just think it's completely situ different situation. And right. what that what works for them it makes sense a little bit, I guess, because again, it's like, it's way more about the car companies and the money kind of thing versus, I don't know. Right. I, I don't see that. I just don't right. see how that works. I just don't see how that works in disc golf. Cause at the end of the day too, like right. I'll be the first to tell you, I'm trying to beat everyone that's sponsored by Discraft. I'm trying to beat everyone that's sponsored by Innova. And honestly, if, if I lose to someone that's sponsored by Innova versus losing to spon someone sponsored by Discraft, it, it sucks. It's not like, oh, at least I got beat by someone sponsored by the same same company as me. No, like I'm trying to beat everyone. And right, I, obviously I know that's not, that's not the norm. There are some players out there that do view these sponsorships as like teams. I'm cut from a different cloth. I don't view them that way. You're not my <laughs> teammate. I'm trying to beat you. Right. Yeah, my thinking was more like, you know, could you imagine like at the end of the year you have, you know, let's say Discraft as the most amount of points, you know, next, you know, they're the, you know, 2022 like manufacturer champion champion for the year. And that's kind of like their title, almost kind of like a world title, but more for like the manufacturer than players. What what believe, what um, happens from that? Are they do they get a huge amount of money that then goes to the players that got them that? Something and like that could happen. who's giving that money out? Right. I didn't think that far into it. I don't know. It was just one of those work thoughts I had. And Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Thought... Hey, <laughs> no, but... it's, it's the thing that gets thrown around all the time. People are like, I want to see like a, I want to see like Discraft versus Innova versus blah, blah, versus blah, blah. Right. It's like, I think again, it's just the culture of disc golf right now of where, people view, I guess, Discraft as the Cowboys and people view Innova as the Washington Commanders or the Philadelphia Eagles, where right. in other individual sports like tennis or like golf, you, no one's like, I want to see Titleist versus TaylorMade. No one cares about that. Or I want to see uh, Prince versus Wilson in tennis. No one cares about that. So okay. same thing in basketball. Why aren't people asking they want to see Nike athletes go up against Under Armour athletes in basketball. It's just not, it's not a thing. And again, I just think it's something that I don't, I don't know. I, I, I think personally, like the Ryder cup situation, like that to me is way more interesting having like a U like having a legit, not one like right before European open, but having like a legit team USA Verse and I, I don't even know if you. I mean, obviously you can go Team Europe, but I think you could probably open it up to the team, team world, right? Like, okay, yeah, I agree. There are maybe some good players 
elsewhere outside of Europe. But like to me, that's way more exciting, and hopefully that's more exciting from a fan standpoint than I want to see Discraft versus Innova versus Dynamic Disc versus Prodigy. To me, that right. doesn't that's not exciting at all. Obviously, I know I'm 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 probably I know that there are people that are like, what are you talking about? That would be super, super sick and super exciting because I see the posts all the time of people asking for it. Yep. But again, it's a weird thing because when it's Team USA versus Team Europe, there's something we all have in common, right? Like there is that like Olympics kind of feel. Yep. When it's Discraft versus Prodigy, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to be anywhere near the same of where the players are really going to get behind something, you know? That's my yeah, take. And I think it's something, too, like down the road. Right now it might sound enticing, but definitely down the road, I don't think it will be nearly as enticing 10, 15, 20 years from now. Right. I can see that. Might I have some of these manufacturing companies? So then, like, what do you do? Yeah. Oh, just a thought. <laughs> yep. Yeah. All right. Thanks for calling in. All right, thank you. All right. All right, I believe next Hunter, up. You're 0 for 2, brother. This is uh, this is why we don't do this anymore. I can't vet people. I just see the request. Hunter, like, we're 0 for 2. We're All right, James. Two, James, you're next. Let's see what you're made of. How you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on your show. I was, yeah. I was actually calling about the, uh, the topic of, about the dress code because – I'm fairly new to disc golf and I, I I really don't want I get the idea of a dress code, but like I don't want disc golf to turn into golf, if you get what I'm saying. Like um like the kind of the appeal to me of disc golf is having more of a relaxed type of um environment, type of attitude. And I haven't really got got to hear you guys take either way on the dress code situation, but I would either kind of be totally against it or for more of a relaxed uh, to casual kind of dress code. How do you guys feel about it? Yeah, James, to be honest with you, we'll see if someone else calls in that disagrees. I, I, I agree with you. So this conversation probably is not going to go anywhere. <laughs> That's right. All yeah. Right. I, I disagree. The one thing I will say I disagree, though, is like the, the idea that disc golf should like ma- maintain at the professional level, like relaxed. It, it's one thing if you're, again, like, you will not see if you watch the tour championship this Sunday, it will not be a relaxed situation. These guys are playing for $35,000. It will not be relaxed. And that's, that's the money is the difference, right? Like when everyone's playing for a couple hundred dollars here and there, it is relaxed and people can be joking around and all that stuff. Sure. When when I'm trying to beat you, and if I beat you, I make another fifteen twenty thousand dollars. It's not it's not going to be buddy buddy relaxed, or at least it shouldn't be, or at least like if I'm in that situation, I'm not going to be like that. So th- that would be the only thing is like, sure, from a casual standpoint, if you're going out and playing disc golf, like I don't think disc golf should like golf at some courses require a certain dress code. I don't think that makes any sense from like an amateur fan spectator hobbyist to like no you have to wear pants and a a polo but on the professional side of things i i just want to make sure like i i agree with you that we should not be dressing like golf but i disagree in the relaxed take because i don't i personally don't like that 
I, if I'm, if I'm like, you know, playing in a tournament and it's like, I have to finish a certain, you know, let's just say like, I have to cash a certain amount or I don't go on tour. The last thing I want is like three guys that are on my card that are just joking around and being like, who cares? Because they missed the cut or they're out of cash. Like they should still be taking it seriously because someone else is, is taking it seriously. That's, that's my only thing with the relaxing, but well, I was more so talking about the way the people dress as far as relaxed, not like, Oh, gotcha. You know, yeah. Not wear like tight shorts. Cause like, like I, I'm more of a, like a, I like to wear basketball shorts when I go play disc golf. Right. Like I don't want to wear like these super tight khaki. Yeah. Shorts. I don't think basketball shorts look good personally. I think, right. I think my, my ideal attire. And again, I don't care if you wear golf. If you want to wear dress pants and a polo, if you want to wear dress pants and a button down, I honestly don't care. You, I think if you want to dress up like that, you can do whatever you want. For me though, like the tennis tennis attire is like kind of like my, the sweet spot, like athletic shorts, but not like long baggy basketball ones. Okay, and then like a dry fit kind of jersey type of material for the shirt. Right. I could I could see that. Um, uh, I, I did see I watched your practice rounds with Ezra uh, on YouTube and dude, that course. I've never played a course like that, obviously. But uh, good luck this weekend, dude, because uh, that, that. Well, I got like- out. I, I got eliminated today. So my, oh, my season is officially. Uh, over, but I pre- Thank you, though. Well, I've watched you all year, though, man. I've seen you. You've, you've came along like I've watched and followed. I got a lot of tips from you, man. I'm a big fan of you guys and Hunter, and I appreciate you guys having me on your show. Heck yeah, James. I appreciate that, brother. You have all a right. wonderful night. All right. Bye. That was like – that was close. Yeah. We're getting warmer. That was good. That was good. Because that could have been uh, – six warmer. months ago, that's a debate. Yeah, no, my like I said, like that was a that was a topic that I completely did a 180 on. Well, yeah, not really, not really 180 because I think initially I was like, we should all wear like collar short sh- uh, p- uh, collared shirts and golf shorts and stuff. But now I'm like, I'm okay with people wearing that. So I'm not. I didn't do a 180. I was like, no one should wear that, and everyone should wear this. But I've just I've added on the more I've gotten dirt all over me and like I'm like leaning into like, you know, fire ant piles and I'm having to stick my hand through thorn bushes and stuff. It doesn't feel like Sunday church clothes is the ideal uh, clothing for me playing disc golf. Yeah, I will ask one quick question. You're referencing how you didn't think basketball shorts were the way to go more like the tennis attire, you know, so on and so forth. How do you regulate that? Or can you? Yeah, that's a, that's a great, great question. I think, man, I, I think you could say like no baggy shorts, but like, where's, where's the line? Is it like, you know, no, I know, but pull like, it off? I mean, you got, you got to set a line somehow. And that, that is like, a when you look at dress codes for certain things, right? Like there are ones that say like no jeans, no sweatpants, no baggy shorts. And it's like, it's one of those where if you think it's close to being baggy, probably should find something else to be safe. Cause again, like the problem with disc golf right now is there, there's very little, the <laughs> Holy cow. There's very little. What the pro tour. I don't know. It sounds like someone just broke glass. 
but there's very little the pro tour can really do to like enforce stuff. Right. Because like, for example, what, what, uh, what Nico did that whole debacle and the suspension and all that stuff, you know, had he just, let's just say he had, he just turned to the, uh, official and just gave him like the two middle fingers. Like, I don't think giving the two middle fingers to an official is worthy of a suspension. Mm-hmm. Like, to the point where you can't play the next tournament. But, like, you probably should get fined. But then the yeah. problem with getting fined is, like, uh, you know, s- s- like, you can't find someone into into poverty. Yeah. You know? So that's where it's, like, someone shows up in baggy shorts the easiest thing to do is just to find, like, let that person play, and then they get fined. Yeah. But then, like, that, that's the hard thing with the pro tour is, like, trying to figure out how do you find someone. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a tough line. Yeah. All right, I believe uh, Dustin was the next one. So, Dustin, feel free to unmute yourself. And, uh, yeah, whenever you're ready. Well, I'm back, Hunter. I, uh, we talked the Las Vegas Challenge, I think. And I do have an actual debate topic. May not be the debate of the century, but Gannon Burr still having a better season than Ricky Wasaki. We'll see you later. Ooh, fascinating. But what makes you say that? Uh, Ricky still not showing up at the major tournaments. Still not a USDGC win. Gannon Burr probably still has more money than Ricky Wasaki, even though he has more points. Money's not a great one. Money's not a great one just because, like, Mm. the amount of money you win at certain tournaments doesn't necessarily always equate to the strength of the field, right? So, yeah, right. For for what it is, like, money's it's tough to just be like, he's won more money on tour than than the other guy. He just might have gotten hot at certain tournaments that are better. Now, I, I will agree with majors, right? Like majors because this is my point on the money 99.9 percent of the time we don't even know what the payouts are going to be until like saturday so like saturday of the tournament right so you can't really say money because that it, it doesn't really come into play now majors we're all going into a major knowing that this means more and it's more important. So that pressure is all there. So I agree with you on that, on, you know, Gannon showing up to the majors more than maybe Ricky did this year. But I was just going to say the money thing's tough because it's like, yeah, sure. Going into a tournament, knowing that if you win, it's going to be the highest payout in disc golf history. That probably would come into play a little bit, but like, we don't know what the payouts are going to be. Well, until literally like going yeah. into the final day. But but I, if I think, Rick- this, uh, I think Gannon showing up at the majors more is a little bit of a false narrative because Gannon won one, but Ricky beat him at the other two that they both showed up to. Oh. Ricky's also eleven and six against Gannon with four wins. Gannon only has one win on the season unless you count a silver series. Uh Ricky also has seventy six percent top ten percentage and threw the disc thirty less times than Gannon. What's uh, Gannon in the events top- they play against each other. So sh- so shouldn't he be be beating him at every event? Wait, what's Gannon, what's Gannon's top 10 percentage? Top 10 percentage, 70 percent. Ricky, 76. Oh, interesting. I thought Gannon would have been higher than Ricky. No. Okay. Ricky beats Gannon in every single position except for Gannon's finished in third one more time than Rick, but that's probably a tournament Rick won. So, 
Yeah, I lost it, I guess, in that one. Yeah, I, mean, I, I will say, like, Ricky probably definitely had more. Like, when Gannon was finishing outside the top 10, he probably wasn't finishing outside the top 10 by much, where Ricky did have maybe one or two tournaments where he just didn't show up at all. I know Des Moines, he, he was pretty far down the leaderboard. I don't know. If, that might have been the only one, though, actually. He might have only had one stinker of a tournament this year. It, it'd be hard for me, as, as much as Gannon has, you know, picked up a lot of momentum here, it would be hard for me to, to, to say that Gannon had a better season than Ricky. Um, and, and the way the tour championship is currently set up, I don't even think you can really put that into play. So, like, if Gannon ends up winning the tour championship, no. I don't think you can use that. Whoever wins the tour championship, I don't think you can really use that as an indicator of, like, oh, this person had an incredible season. No, absolutely not. Because it's just it's just based on the day of the win. There's like so many factors that go into it. It's not everybody playing the exact same day. Exactly. I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you this right now. If I would have won the tour championship this week, people would have been like, for sure, been like, oh, it's a fluky tournament. Yada yada yeah. yada. Yeah, yeah. Right. Like you just, just the way it's the way it's set up is like you just barely mm-hmm. have to buy. Now the way Nathan Queen won it last year. It's hard to deny that because he would have yeah. won the tournament by like three or four strokes, I think, something like that. Now, obviously, not all the not all the top guys played all four rounds, but okay. he shot the lowest of people playing all four rounds and then obviously shot the lowest of uh, basically at the hot round every time. So tough to like deny that, but you could essentially have someone like a Nicholas, for example, right? Like Nicholas was the last one in today at five under, like – Bradley Williams, I think, shot seven or something. Yeah. But, like, Nicholas could just, again, barely scratch by next tomorrow, barely <laughs> scratch by on Saturday, and then pop off on Sunday and win it. So just the way the format is set up, it's very similar to, kind of to, like, March Madness uh, in college basketball of where you're not always going to be crowning the best team that year, if that makes sense. Yeah. Right? Like, just – the, the chaos of the tournament is incredible, but there's a lot of times where the best team does not end up winning the national championship. That's just the way it goes. It's, you know, you have to perform and you have to make it happen when it counts at the end. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then one last closing also would on the, uh, kind of the dress code would you rather get beat by somebody in like baggy clothes just kind of whatever or somebody that's looking real professional like in your opinion i guess brody well i don't like the baggy clothes look i don't think that's a good look um (laughs) but wouldn't it be more discouraging to be like oh yeah Yeah. i just lost by four strokes this guy whose pants are down for sure someone looks like they you know someone looks like they just rolled out of a dumpster and they beat me by four it's going to be a little bit more heartbreaking (laughs) someone that always that would be amazing rest of the nines, <laughs> but i don't like losing regardless so i'm not yeah. i don't like either right cheers guys appreciate it brother appreciate it i just realized that the first guy that came on i believe his name was zachers I, I forget who the first game guy that came on but instead of removing him from speakers i removed him from the whole show so hopefully i didn't ban him but possibly. So if you're listening to this later, I didn't mean to ban you if I did. Uh, Bobby, you're up next. Feel free to yourself whenever you're ready. Since we've done this, Hunter. It's okay. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you guys hear me okay? Yeah. 
Oh, I mean, it does sound like you're in a compete, but yes. All right, sorry about that. Um, so I disagree about the dress code stuff. We'll actually have a debate. How about that? Um, so I uh, replied, I remember on Twitter, I don't know, later last week or whatever, someone said, you look like a bum when you're dressed. And then I replied about like the 10,000 thing and you sent a, a tennis, what about 100,000? Yeah, that was and, a pretty reply to me with the guy wearing a sleeveless shirt. No, no, sorry. Um, I, get, I guess my point was like, I, one, I don't think you look like a bum, um, but I definitely think you could, like, that look isn't as professional. Can anybody as else not hear Bobby? Can you hear me now? We I can hear you, Bobby. I can, can hear, hear me. Oh, okay. Um, Terry, so can I you guess not my, hear him? Yeah, I just hear Hunter and Brody. That's it. What? I didn't know if that was anybody else. Does anyone else hear? I can hear Bobby. Okay, Terry, maybe you might have muted Bobby. You might okay. might have to, you might have to manually unmute him yourself. My mistake. Okay, go ahead. Sorry, Bobby. No, that's all right. Um, I guess my point was I didn't think you looked like a bum. Like a bum is somebody in a wife beater and a you know spaghetti stain on their shirt or something like that. I mean, I just didn't think you that a the athletic shorts. And just a dry fit t-shirt looks as professional as the sport could be. So I guess the bigger question about it and the position that I was going to take was, what's the goal? Like, what's the goal with a dress code for the disc golf tour and disc golf in general? And if the goal is one of the goals, and there's lots of goals, right? And everything's in context, but lots of goals are... You know, if we want more money, more sponsorship, the sport to grow and at the professional level, what is our expectation or standard that we want to display the sport at? And I think the way you dress, like you made the comment, everybody hated the way I looked uh, when I first started the tour with the pants and the shirt. I think that you brought, you were bringing everybody's game up by dressing that way, personally. Um, I would still so, dress that way if it wasn't incredibly uncomfortable. Okay, so let, well, here's where I'll go. One, I think that I don't like the, the crew t-shirt look. I think a collar, and all, I'll, I'll preface all this. All this is for guys, not girls. Everything I'm gonna be saying is for dudes dress code. I'm not a woman, never wore women's clothes. I have no opinion on that. Don't think I have any authority to speak on that. So for dudes though, I think a collared shirt, and it could be dry fit, it could be whatever material, but a collared shirt, and then non-basketball looking shorts. I think better looking shorts, I think just that look itself in general just has that extra look of professionalism that markets the sport a little bit better than someone who looks like they came from a pros versus Joes you know, event and was picked out of the stands and put on a tee box. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, the like what you view as professional, I feel like you then would view a lot of sports as the way they the. No, context matters. Context matters. I mean, the the like tennis versus disc golf, those are two completely different athletic events. And I know you because like of, like a hype in the, the woods movie? because of like the the running around. Um. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think that that's that's very different uh, but, as far as the level of uh, but the back and, and, and demand. 
the movement, the body movement in a backhand and the body movement in a forehand are almost identical between between tennis. There, there's, I, I mean, as far as the movement of a joint, sure, but you're not, the equation of the amount of effort, sweat, timing, endurance that disc golf has versus tennis is there's no comparison there. I mean, you well, like you to also do it like a hike in the woods. I mean, I don't know hikers in the woods that stop every 300 feet and then evaluate something and then do their one motion. You're only doing 50, 60 motions throughout the whole event, well, I bring, right? I bring the hike in the woods because essentially if I was not throwing a disc today and I just walked, exact, if I literally – did everything the same exact that I did today and did not throw a disc, I would have gone on like, it would have been like a two and a half, three mile hike or something. And like there'd that. be no reason not to have pants on if you wanted to. There would be no reason. But also if for me, if someone's like, Hey, let's go on a three mile hike. The, the last thing I'm thinking about is putting on my golf pants and a polo. Sure. That, I mean, that's, that's fine. But it's also a hike is different than a professional event. Right. But so the, it, that's why the context the activity matters. that we're doing in a hike, like when you go on, a, when you go golfing, right. When you go golfing, uh, the dress code at most country clubs and even most public courses is almost, almost identical to what you see on the pro tour. When you go play tennis, when you go play te tennis, you're not, you're not wearing different outfits when you go practice as what um, what you would be playing in on tour or on, on, on like the ATP tour or whatever. If I go to like a random country club, what? I, what I'm saying is context matters. The sport, give me, the demand. Give me, another, give me another sport where the professionals dress completely different than the hobbyists or fans of the sport when they do the activity. Softball. Professional softball players or uh, uh, softball players in the United States, uh, can be for the United States of America in the Olympics, will have a full-on jersey, then a beer league softball, same event uh, at my local high school. I feel like you should have said baseball, because like, I, like, I feel like I've seen a lot of professional softball clips, and they look like they're wearing like almost and one style uniforms. But they're wearing full-length pants. They have a, a sponsorship jersey. They're not wearing athletic shorts and the same thing that I would wear in a beer league softball event. That's the exact same sport, but different leagues, different contexts. That's why I'm saying context matters. Where this is, we're, we're, we need to focus on, you're at the professional level. I think baseball would have been a better example because baseball players wear ridiculous, wear ridiculous things. Um, no, compared to like what you would see someone wearing in like a pickup baseball game, I guess you could say. Well, okay. Well, what I'm saying is the context of this discussion is professional disc golf. What should it be? Sure. Right. And th that's the context. And at the professional disc golf level, where we're at the growing of the sport level, what happened? Sorry, I was going to say real quick, like what. What is the reasoning? What is the reasoning to you, or what do you think happens if you take all the people that are currently dressing like a professional tennis player, and you have them dress like a professional golfer? What changes? I think marketability. Um, whether we like it or not, 
that people with money will look at things and pass judgment. Whether, so, it's, whether it's true or right or wrong, whatever. The golf, if I were to look at disc golf and I have money and I say, and someone says, I think you should invest in this. And I look at it and I say, either they look like someone else said a bunch of bums, which I disagree with, but look like just average people who are at a park and playing an event versus people who are stepped up just even a little bit more. I'm not saying, my, my position also isn't that you should be wearing pants. You know, full so you, like, you want you want people to wear like big germ stuff, golf shorts and a hot. That's closer. Yeah, a I hot dog, a hot dog polo. That's his style, though. That's where personal freedom or, style. Or Joel Freeman, Joel Freeman with his pants and uh, strawberries all over his shirt. That's a polo. If, if if that's what I'm saying is for men, a a collared shirt. And either if they're wearing shorts that they can't be like basketball shorts that you pick up for a pickup basketball game. Can I add, am I, am I allowed to add something to this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. come on in Dylan. Um, I guess I, I have a couple arguments to that. I mean, like I, you're saying that tennis and disc golf aren't really alike, but I mean, there's very similar movements. Yeah, tennis has a lot more like consistent movements, but they're very similar to uh, disc golf. And you're t like marketability you're talking about as well. I think the dress code at what point does the dress code take away from the performance as well so if you that's that's a great point fantastic points one test when it comes to the tennis thing yes you have a similar just if you isolate the motion there's similar motions but what i'm saying is the context of the sport the amount of athleticism the endurance the amount of effort that's put in is nowhere near what we're looking at for disc golf and that's why I'm not saying uh, disc golf needs to wear jeans or khakis and, you know, long sleeve shirt. I'm not saying that either, right? Um, but to your other point of when does it take it away from their, what was it, their, away from their... Their, like, performance. Their performance and stuff. It never should, right? I, I Also, I, you know, there are current set of rules and you playing within those rules is just fine. You doing everything that makes you still at the level where you feel comfortable co to compete needs to be a part of that decision-making process. Because at the end of the day, you guys are competing, and if you if you make a certain rule that says that's going to restrict half the field of feeling like they're able to perform at the top of their game, that shouldn't be considered either. But if someone tells me a collared shirt is what's going to do that, I'm going to disagree with that vantage point, right? At the end of the day, someone will have to make a decision and of what what the next step is for disc golf as far as overall look i'm not looking for a huge jump yeah, i'm just I saying guess for me, i guess for me where where i differ is there is a way to look put well put together and professional that doesn't require you to dress like golf because it, yes i don't think you need to wear pants either it's no, I'm not, even saying pants. Pants. I'm not even saying pants. Who cares about pants? I'm I think, even talking about the polo polo shirt. Like, if I'm if I'm looking at your Great Lakes Open, is it more like a matching coverage. outfit? No, 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 not a matching. I mean, outfit. Matching I'm outfit does matching outfit Hunter does matter though. That's what Terry said. Like, I think matching outfit almost matters more than like like if you can talk about distracting elements too. That that has to be a part of the conversation. But what I'm saying is what like what you wore at a T-shirt. Even a even a dry shit dry fit shirt that it's a dry fit is jersey. a crew neck, right? A dry, a dry fit I don't like those dry fit jerseys. I don't think they look professional enough. So when you watch they tennis, look like you don't think, so when you watch tennis, you don't think they look professional. 
No, because the context matters. You're taking out of the context. I think I got to side with Bobby a little bit here because Bobby made a point, and I think that there's a different parallel that we're skipping over um, that some people may have noticed, some people may not have, which is pickleball has been blowing up like crazy recently. You know, all kinds of pro athletes are out of nowhere buying pickleball teams. There's a lot of money being thrown into pickleball when a mere two years ago, pickleball and disc golf, disc golf might have edged it out. It was, it was, we were both growing at very similar rates pre-COVID. And if you take a step back and you say, what the heck happened? How did pickleball get all this money in disc golfs sitting back slightly? The difference is pickleball is an old person sport. It's a country club sport. And there's a lot of money being brought into pickleball because of the people playing it. And with that does come a certain perception. And I do think that if you take the tennis player outside of the tennis arena, they do look less professional. If you take a tennis player and put them on a golf course, they wouldn't be welcome to a certain extent. Um, and I think that when you take that with the disc golf, you know, we, we do have to factor in performance, but you also have to factor in how much can you actually regulate what a player is wearing. And when you just leave it to athletic shorts and dry fits where it's at now, that will not, like, you can't regulate that down Wait, enough. To make why it did you bring up, why did you bring up pickleball? Because I'm saying the type, like, pickleball, the reason it's advancing so much farther than disc golf right now, getting all these big endorsements, stuff like that, is because of where it's played at and because of how it's being perceived. It's being perceived as this, like, country club, like, sport that can't have money thrown at it. I'm not saying disc golf needs to be a country club sport by any means, but I'm but saying, what does that have to do with anything with dress code? They literally dress that, the no, same way huge, as players. No, no, no. That's a huge thing with dress code because Bobby is right when it comes to context. When you put pickleball onto a tennis court, then what the player is wearing in that context matters. When you're in just a normal park and you're in shorts and a t-shirt, you look a lot different than you're on a tennis court in shorts and a t-shirt. That's what he's saying is the context around that. I fully agree with that statement. I think that matters drastically. I think if you pull Rafael Nadal and you put him on a golf course and he's wearing a neon dry fit, in bright blue pants with a sweatband, he looks ridiculous on a golf course. But in the tennis arena at Wimbledon, he looks very professional and put together because of where he's at. Just like yeah, amateur and professional context out. matters. Exactly, yeah. amateur and professional context matters. Location matters. Uh, what what you're trying to accomplish, whether you're professional or not, matters. The sport, the endurance, all those things go into the dress code. And I'm not saying wear something that's going to restrict you. I don't want that because I want to see athleticism. I want to see great shots. I'm not saying I'm, wear I'm something just, that's, that you're not going to enjoy. All I'm saying is I think it could look more professional. And any idea that we could get into okay, the sport Bobby, that can help grow the sport, yeah, I think is a good idea. Well, Bobby and Hunter, answer me this then. Yeah. If everyone in tennis started dressing in golf attire, okay, polos and like nice golf shorts, does golf, does tennis all of a sudden become, does tennis look more professional? Well, no, what because the context matters. What is okay, so then why? Before money came in. No, so then time out. Why? It, you keep saying the context matters. What I just literally said is for tennis, they have decided that this looks professional. And like what Hunter just said Brody, is when you I got take a, a question. Hold on, hold on. When you take a tennis player off and you put him on a golf course, we have an idea of what professional looks like on a golf course. Even though, even though timeout, there used to be all about polos. Tiger Woods came out with the first, first um, uh, mock tee in war. Now that looks sick. Uh, Live Golf is over there now saying that you can wear shorts. The PJ Tour just let let uh, players practice in shorts, and so eventually shorts is going to be fine. Where back in the day, if you wore shorts on a golf course during a PJ Tour or during a professional event, 
you would look unprofessional. My question is, if you pull, if you put, if you change a tennis player's outfit right now, the average tennis player, where they're wearing like something like this, where it's like a, a sleeveless Nike dry fit shirt and like nice dry ni- Nike dry fit shorts, if but you make, is- if you put them in golf attire, if that doesn't change how it looks professional, why have it's we professional decided, for why tennis? Have as disc you're missing, you're missing our a big professional point. look has to be like golf. Why, have, why can't we just come up with it as what, I mean, heck. It like, could have its own thing. You're absolutely right, Brody. It doesn't need to look like golf golf, ball golf. That's no, a good point. What have, good why have we decided, decided the tennis look is not professional enough for disc golf? Why has question. that? Because I just I don't think it question. is. It doesn't hold look hold like up. it. It doesn't look professional enough. I, I think it should match up perfectly sport. with that. I got a question, Brody. So, like, Brody, you have more athletic movement. I don't understand. Like, does every is every other sport then match up perfectly then? Brody, let me ask you a question. Is there no other sport that looks unprofessional the way they dress? Can I ask That's you a red herring. Can I ask you a question, Brody? Yes. Okay. Do tennis players on the professional level dress themselves? Some do, for sure, yes. But, like, is Nike sending out these people what to wear on different days? Like, the top 50 players in the world, probably. The top 50 players in the world probably don't dress themselves. So the people on coverage are not dressing themselves. But there's five. Well, no, I, I would disagree with that. There are people outside the top 100 that are on coverage all the time in tennis. I think that's a. I think that is a big deal, though, because same in golf. Same in what, golf. You you have correct. literally you had literally someone in the running for the PGA Championship like a couple years ago, and they were wearing the hat they were wearing was from their local club. That but guy the, for sure dressed himself. But the that issue guy didn't have sponsors. The issue is, clubs. the issue is, I think if you leave it open ended with dry fits and shorts. There's too many options to look unprofessional. So in my opinion, what needs to happen is you need to go almost a step too far to make sure that everyone's going to look representative. Everyone's going to look presentable and professional to sponsors, to marketers, everything like that. Then once the sport has money, which is all the sports you're mentioning have all this money, then you can go backwards like golf is doing, like tennis has done. Because tennis originally, they played in polos. If you go far enough back, they were playing in polos and golf shorts. That's how it started. Then it can work backwards once there is. Yeah, when it was a bunch of rich people that wanted to, a bunch of rich people that wanted to make themselves seem better than everyone else. Yeah, but my my position is that that's what golf is too. It's a bunch of rich people that have all these country clubs and and want to wear these clothes and act like they're better than everyone else. Like what? Why we? Why do we want to be? I'm not saying we don't want to be that. What I'm saying is it could go a step above t-shirts and basketball shorts to look a little bit more professional to be a little photo. bit more marketing not everyone not, please everyone please look at this photo that i'm about to tweet out and tell me if this looks if this is if someone wore this at disc golf if not someone let's say everyone we're going to say the entire disc golf community wore a variation of this outfit maybe a different color combination if this all of a sudden is going to make disc golf blow up. That's not what I'm saying. I you're one, conflating, I one, I conflating arguments. Hold on, tweet it out. I, I just want to tweet out. I want everyone to take a peek well, at that. Well, Brody, answer me this. Answer me this question. Yeah. Okay, yeah, you got John Daly with the pants. I see that, yes. If, if 
what do you think is going to make disc golf as a whole look more professional? If you leave the dress code far more open-ended or if you ask people to wear collared shirts, golf pants, golf shorts, that type, what, what would in general, I think, golf I think we, again, I think it really, de it depends on what you think is professional or not. Exactly. For me, for me, depending on what sport you're playing, if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, doing a triathlon, I'm not expecting you to wear golf attire to do a triathlon. That doesn't mean you don't look professional. And really at the end of the day, it should like my whole thing is like, sure. The people that think I look like a bum, that probably hurts my image towards them. That's probably not, that's not helping me gain fans. If some people think I look like a bum, but at the end of the day, if I'm wearing something that I think is good enough for me to win, then look at like something like John J John Daly, for example. Like John Daly wore a bunch of crazy outfits, one of which I just posted. But he still was within and, the dress code. And I'm <laughs> well, yeah. What you're talking about right now is in the dress code. You're yeah, asking yeah, yeah. for the PDGA and the D D Disc Golf Pro Tour to change the rules. So yes. technically, what you're asking for right now is for everyone that currently is playing and all these outfits that you don't like are currently in the dress code. So. Like, and that's fine. That that's currently if you're trying, to, if you're trying okay. to have stuff change, and I'm trying to tell you, I don't think all of a sudden just changing it and making everyone look like they're going to Sunday school is all of a sudden going to have outside marketers look at disc golf and go, "Hey, you know what? All these people like you. You know what doesn't look good? You know what doesn't look good is is dirt stains on your kneecaps. That's what doesn't look good." And you're probably going to get that if you're having people wear pants playing disc golf in the woods. You're absolutely right. There's definitely no option for anyone to put a towel down on their knee before they make a throw. You're absolutely right. That also looks kind of weird. I will be the first to say that. But then it doesn't put dirt stains on your knees. I, and no, I'm not but it looks you weird. Wear pants. All I'm saying is if everyone had a, had a slightly higher standard where we don't have t-shirts and athletic shorts and had either a collared shirt or a, a, a nicer shirt than that's just a crew neck and i do not want to wear a nicer shirt while i'm doing an athletic movement it doesn't matter at, at some point at some level at some time it's not going to matter what you really want to wear it's going to be matter what's better for everyone for the sport to grow i just don't know how all of a sudden wearing wearing professional uh, wearing like professional golf attire all of a sudden fixes all of disc golf problems i, I never know. said it did you're inflating an argument what i no, no, you're saying someone, you're saying, someone you're will saying look at you disc said golf outside like it. marketers and stuff would look at disc golf and be like I'm oh that guy's wearing a polo shirt i want no, to put money into disc golf you're changing you're changing the argument uh, what i'm saying is someone will look at what perception hunter no one has any perception no one knows what disc golf is but when they look, if they walked, if they walked into a pro tour, exactly, event, Hunter, what you just said makes no sense because right now, when you look at, you literally just said when you put Rafa Nadal in Wimbledon, everyone is okay with what he wears. So if everyone's wearing what Rafa Nadal is in disc golf, when someone comes to a disc golf tournament for the first time and sees everyone wearing the same exact thing like Rafa Nadal in tennis, you're going to think that is the attire that is okay to wear. What, what is your argument? We are the ones right now you can control what the perception of uh, disc golf attire is because guess what? 99.9% .9 of the population have no idea about disc golf.
So when they see this golf for the first time, they're just assuming that is what disc golf players wear. I would fully agree with you if everyone dressed like Rafael Nadal, but we both know that's not what happens when you let people wear dry fits and baggy shorts. You, we I all think know some people happens. are going to look at the people that are wearing disc golf. Well, yes, yes. What you're saying, yes, I agree. There so that's, are, that's what I'm saying is we overcorrect to make the bottom average adjust up. But I also will say so I think some people will look, look at, at the – I think some people will look at the people that wear golf attire and think that's like a little much. And it could be, it absolutely could be, but I, a golf attire isn't shorts either, right? So what you wore- Well, it like is if you're on the lift tour. Images. It is if you're on the lift tour. Forget the lift tour. We're talking about this, like, if what you wore like the Portland Open, right? You got shorts, you got a polo, looks absolutely fine for that level. What you wore at the Great Lakes Open where it's a t-shirt and, ba and baggy, basically uh, basketball shorts, doesn't look as professional as you did at the Portland Open. If I have, if someone says, hey, I have this sport, I think you should invest, and I first look, and it looks like a pro versus Joe's event where they grabbed somebody out of the stands and threw off a tee. I, I don't know how interested I am if everyone, though, on that tee box has not necessarily an exact same look, but at least has a cleaner look. A, a, a slightly more polished look than just a t-shirt and shorts. All I'm saying Here, here's is the t-shirt and shorts is not professional enough Can I, to help take disc golf to a little bit of a next level. All right, think, two, two counter arguments, two counter arguments. First one being, what do the average disc golfer wear? What does the average disc golfer wear when they, wear, <clears throat> when they go play disc golf? Irrelevant to professional disc no, golf. No, 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 no. Just answer the question real quick because I'll, I'll have a point. So I personally wear pants every time I go out and a either a, a shirt or a, a collared shirt because that's what I, I like. I like okay. to look good when I what? go. Me, to when me, looking go, good also okay, puts when, me in a better frame. So when you go, is that the average? Like, so when you go to the disc oh, golf course and you look around, shorts, is that what everyone else shirt. is wearing? Shorts and shirt. I'm in Minnesota, depending upon the weather, too. Lots sure, when it's cold, yes. Pants, pants, yes. Yeah. But, but in the summertime, when you go to the disc golf course, are you, is, is Sh everyone shorts wearing that polo? Short, shorts no? and a t-shirt. Nope. Shorts and a t-shirt. Absolutely. Okay. That's the average. So, so if I, if I'm, uh, if I'm a company, would I want to put my, let's say, for example, let's say, uh, uh, do, do, let me think, let me think Adidas golf. Let's just go with Adidas golf. Does it make sense for Adidas golf to put players in attire that the people watching do not like th don't play in like Adidas golf is trying like golf. For example, the reason why Hunter, when you asked that question, the reason why Nike sends uh, outfits and stuff to their players is not just to make their players look good. It's so that people see that and go, I want to buy that polo. I, I think I think 100% disc golfer fans, when they see their favorite disc golfer say, this is a polo brand that I enjoy, this is what I'm sponsoring and what I'm repping, the next time they want to decide on their attire when they go play, and if they're super fans, they're going to say, I'm going to buy a similar polo and wear that to the next time I play well, in the tournament. 100%. My, 100%, wait, what, 100 what disc golf polo? What disc golf polo company exists right now? 
not a polo company, but the people who are sponsoring us. Kale has a line of different uh, of sponsored polos. I know Germ has a line of sponsored polos. And fans of theirs are going to say, I love the way that looks. And when I go and play, I want to look that good too. Do you think more people have bought, do you think more people have bought Big Germ and Kale's polos or Eagle and Simon's jerseys? Eagles, absolutely Eagles and Simon's jerseys, but that was the standard yesterday. What should be the standard tomorrow? My, um, my, my point with bringing up the people are being dressed, Brody, was more so if Adidas, Nike, all of them were in our sport and they're sponsoring these athletes and dress our dress in, is, is where they, it currently is at. They right? dress us in tennis attire, like, wor- like workout yeah, slash yeah. tennis I'm saying that I'm all game for that. My whole problem, or not even a problem necessarily, my whole reason that I would side more with Bobby is because that's not happening. That's not happening in the foreseeable future. And so what you have to do is make an adjustment to the dress code that is going to make the field as a whole look more put together. And you have to think, what are things that are going to do that? And so to me, that's where we lean more towards the, you know, have to wear a belt because wearing a belt makes it where you have to wear some form of, of golf pants. Can you still look very unprofessional in a belt? Absolutely. But you're eliminating the bottom half of it, right? You're, you're making really hate that idea move forward. Why? Why do you hate having to wear a belt? Cause I don't want to have a belt on me. One, one, my belt buckle got in my way every time I putted like literally my belt buckle, put out a different one. What? But you got the wrong belt buckle if it's getting in the way of your putt every time. You got to at least see what I'm saying, Brody, right? Like you got to see what you're, see I see what you're saying and I'm saying you're incorrect. Needed. What companies care about, what companies care about is numbers. That's what companies care about. How, many, eye, how many eyeballs is, is viewing this? That but is what companies care that, about. And at the end of the day, pros tuning in and saying, oh, this sport's a joke because they see someone in and one shorts and a baggy end of a polo. What? I'm just saying that happened in 2015. That was a very common thing. Like when I first watched the sport, Again, the it whole, seemed like a joke. Here's the thing. The whole, the whole thing that we're talking about right now is the perception and the idea of what disc golf is. Because like for me, when I turn on a boxing match and they're coming in with these out, out, uh, outrageous outfits and whatnot, I'm thinking to myself, like, that's really weird. Like that, <clears throat> that makes no sense. But that is what's common in boxing. Same thing with like wrestling. Difference. Difference. When they're walking <laughs> into the ring and there's 50,000 people cheering, you're not going to look like an idiot. If you walked into your local park and there's two people next to you and you're wearing that same boxing outfit, you look like an idiot. So you, so you think that people, the people at USDGC looked like idiots even though there was 5,000 people watching them? No, I was talking about boxing. What are you talking about? No, boxing. I don't get this. I don't. My whole thing is like the people surrounding the box makes it look cool. If you're if no, 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 no. Like you think you think that. okay? you think what people in the wrestling looks cool, like the WWF, WWE, you think their outfits look cool because there's people around them? No, I think WWE is very stupid. I don't think anything professional about it. It's an act. It's like going to a play. Well, they are professional wrestlers, but debatable. No, but yeah, but they're still doing they're still doing stunts and still get hurt. I I agree, it's fake. But yeah, but my point my point being is like just because they're wearing like 
just because me and you think what they're wearing is ridiculous doesn't mean people that are fans of wrestling think what they're wearing is ridiculous. They probably love it. But do the fans of wrestling wear that? Do they wear well they don't the fans of wrestling don't wrestle. That's like that's like saying like base and this goes back to the whole point. Like fans fans of, fans of football, fans of NFL aren't playing football, Hunter. Yeah, they do. Oh, what percentage? What percentage of uh, what percentage of fans that watch football play tackle football, sir? In their backyards, as in no, no, no. School. What percentage of fans? What percentage of the millions and millions of fans that watch football on Sunday play tackle football? Every kid, every uh, D one, D two, D three college person. What every percentage do you person? think that is? Do you think that's? Do you think that's twenty percent? I can't give you a number. Do you bro, think there? Do you think <laughs> out of the three hundred million people or whatever that watch the Super Bowl, do you twenty percent of that's a lot? That's a lot of kids playing D1 football. I'm telling you right now, like those sports, like the average people that are watching baseball do not play baseball. Like the sure. majority of people watching baseball do not play baseball. Tennis, the majority of people that watch tennis play tennis. Golf, the majority of people that watch golf play golf. We are one of those sports. Disc golf is one of those sports. Hence why tons of people don't watch live coverage because they're out playing disc golf. And that's why Jomez gatekeeper gk pro are very successful because people go out on the weekends and play disc golf they're not at home watching disc golf and that's the same troubles that's the same troubles that golf has so what's the point you're what's the point you're trying to make when it comes to the equation of what a pro wears and what a, a fan wears if I'm if I'm trying to put money into the sport and I'm doing it on an entire basis, mm -hmm. I want the pros to wear something that the fans are going to buy. Well, I don't I mean, want, let's, I, take I don't want the let's take baseball. How many how many fans who don't play baseball will still go into the pro shop and buy the fans jersey, buy the players jersey? Are they playing baseball in that? They, they, they don't need they to wear, play. They, they don't need to play baseball. If, well, it's if also well, hold on. A jersey is a completely different situation. A jersey is a completely different situation. No, it's not a different situation. If I if you I saw you would wear like, you would wear a big germ hot dog polo to work. Why not? Because people have no idea what you're doing. Then they people know what jerseys are. They they. They'd ask me and I have an opportunity then to talk to them more about disco and why it's cool. The jersey argument is a completely different argument because that's it like totally a is. That's totally like a fandom is. thing. No one no no one is no one is buying uh no no one is buying a uh, a baseball jersey majority of them are not buying a baseball jersey so they can go and wear it when they're playing their league baseball game. They, league baseball games probably all have like they already probably have their own uniforms. You're you're making a a, a a false like premise that the only time you should buy something that's of a professional is at the same time that you would be uh, replicating that same event. That's a no. You buy you buy it because you like you like what it looks like and you want to wear it. So I'm exactly. not I'm not disagreeing I'm not disagreeing with you in the sense of yes some people are going to see Big Germ wear a polo and go that's a cool polo I want to buy that. 
I'm telling you though, if if you had a jersey like Eagle or Simon or Calvin or Kyle Klein or other people that have like the jersey type of uh, stuff, people are going to be more inclined to buy that because not only do they think it looks cool, but they go, I can also play disc golf in this. I, I, I can you are in the minority can, of people that play in polos. I'm just telling sure, you right sure. now. Oh, sure. I live in I, Texas. I, 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 I don't I'm see anyone ever playing in polos. I, no I, one I plays disc golf in polos. Completely understand that. And I see the jersey argument. However, what I, I guess the, the, the level that what I'm saying is the crew neck look of just a plain ass t-shirt with, apologies, I'm sorry for swearing there. Um, a plain t-shirt with a Nike swoosh and that's it and athletic shorts is not the level that I think a professional disc golf should at least go to. I disagree with Hunter where he says you should overcorrect. I think you could make an incremental step uh, here just for the men's game. Um, just, just to give that a slightly more polished look all around and that where style comes in and where look of those jerseys, maybe it's a dry fit polo where it's a collar, but it's still got that Simon, uh, the, the Simon's jersey emblems and Eagle's jersey emblems on it and stuff like that too. I think people are buying those. Don't, right? don't forget too, the disc golf swing is a much more of an athletic movement than a ball golf swing. Yes, a hundred percent. You're not running, you're not running up or you're not, you're not stretching out as far as you can to, a collar on the shirt completely changes the uh, athletic ability of a disc golfer if it doesn't have a collar there's no yeah, no but a jersey no, a jersey with a collar cool. i'll be the first to tell you a jersey with a collar on it looks absolutely ridiculous i might yeah. be a minority but i think I'm it looks it. absolutely ridiculous no, it's, and it's more about the pants. If the basketball legs, players are, were running up and down the court with, with uh, a collar on. But that's and, basketball. I mean, You're, don't deflate a quick context. Literally the only the sport that wears a, pol a polo that doesn't look ridiculous is golf, and that's country club style. Do we want disc golf to be a bunch of country club people? No. I, thought we, I thought we didn't. I thought that was – when I first came in, that was everyone's backlash. It stopped trying to make disc golf like golf. Do we you don't think John like looks country club? Sometimes. Do I think he looks country club by wearing golf attire on a, on a, a disc golf course? Yeah. Do you think, Ger you think germs attire looks country club? He looks like he's, he looks like he, he'd be playing golf at a resort in Florida. Yes. <sighs> sometimes he goes the Joel Freeman route and sometimes he does uh, more comfortable clothing. Yeah. He doesn't always, he doesn't always do the polo thing. And again, I don't care if you want to wear the polos and stuff like that. That's fine. You can do whatever you want. I just, I'm not, I'm not for mandatory. Everyone wearing a polo, a collar. I, I think that looks, I, I think that is. Well, you wanted, you, you wanted a debate, sir, Brody. <laughs> you wanted somebody with a different position to you. That's what I yeah. wanted to give you. Is so I, I think it could, I think that could be the next level for uh, one incremental step for disc golf is to get rid of the crew neck t-shirt look and go to a collared look. Okay, guys, pretty... can I can I just can I give one I, I guess debating this is like not a good way to debate like the ant was it called antidotal antidotal what is that called? Anecdotal. Yeah. So the only person that I'm aware of that has sponsored in some way outside of disc golf companies was Paul last year with I don't can't remember the name. Hunter, do you remember the name? Mizzen or something? 
Was it? McCade. McKay. McKay. With that yeah. different that different style of shirt where it's kind of like not is a he, holdable is he color, still currently is he, is, he cur- is he still currently sponsored by them? I believe that was like a one tournament sponsorship last year. He still rocks him some, but not sponsored that I'm aware of now. Was it a one tournament thing similar to kind of like some of the deals we do where they're like, hey, we want to test this out and see if it's something that we want to get into? I don't know the details. I just know they dressed them for USDGC last year. Um, I think I that looks good. would be like a test, but yeah. I think okay. that, that, that's an acceptable shirt too. That's sure. That's what I'm saying. My, my just, point just my my point was, and again, I've had conversations with several golf brands, and they have literally no interest in. As of right now, they have literally no interest in disc golf. And I don't think, I don't think that's simply because of other people not wearing the attire or whatever. I I simply think that is a one it's a numbers thing there's just not enough people watching disc golf currently i don't think more people start watching disc golf if people start having a collar on their shirt i just don't i think players need to get better i think coverage needs to get better i think there's a lot of other things that matter way more than whether or not you have a collar on your shirt and then the second thing is um i just don't think their market the people that they're marketing to and me and hunter Hunter, we can tell you firsthand, it's not easy moving a $50, $60 shirt. It's not. In disc golf, it's not. Oh, yeah. And we did it. We probably have sold, I don't know how many, we sold a couple hundred of those um, jerseys with. Um, the like blade polos. Yeah, blade polos. We sold a couple hundred of them, but that is way harder to sell than a, a jersey at that same price point. It is. It just. It is. And How did Jomez even, do when they first came out with their like their s- seasonal, uh, all different colors and different patterns? Because they were one of the first companies I've seen. Yeah, trying I just, to do that. Yeah, I just think for right now, like the price point and a lot of these things is just too high. And if you're going to spend sixty dollars on something, I don't know if you're going if you're if you would rather buy sixty dollars on a polo versus sixty dollars on a jersey i think you're getting a lot uh, more wear and tear on the jersey i think i think one thing that far separates us and i hope this always separates us from golf is the accessibility and the ease of the to get the equipment because trevor makes this point a lot when we talk about similar things of you know if i want to support someone in golf right and they have a lot of clubs or they're rocking the signature polo it is probably like one-fourth the cost for me to buy that polo than to buy that club whereas right. disc golf even if it's a cheap dry fit you could buy two discs for the dry fit realistically yeah. uh and so that's that's something that is a great thing about disc golf but i think that's something that is where this argument really falls apart when it comes to selling collared shirts moving high-end clothing is you always have that barrier of like I personally, if I'm looking at clothing and I see a $60 polo, but I'm a disc golfer, right? And I'm buying that polo to play disc golf in. You bet your bottom dollar I'd rather have a career Because why the heck wouldn't I? You know, so I think that, that is that's always going to be an over, uh, overarching um, problem, I think. I don't, I don't want to say problem because it's not a problem. Like I said, good there, problem. can you mute yourself real quick? We're kind of hearing feedback. Uh, I think that's, I don't want to say it's a problem. I think it, it's a good thing about disc golf, but that's where my argument falls apart when you get to that, moving clothing, stuff like that. My whole argument is I think corrections like that make the sport 
the professional scene look more polished, but I'm, I'm on Team Brody where if everyone looked like Nadal, Federer, all of that all the time, and it was really nice fitting dry fits, really good fitting shorts, color coordinated, not necessarily matching, but outfits that went together in general, yes, dry fit shorts, you know, shoes, that can all look very professional. I just think when you, you can't regulate that is my whole thing. So when you can't regulate it, then it opens up to how do you tell the difference between something that looks very professional and put together and something that looks like what I'd wear at fifth grade PE class. That's where my, that's where my argument more comes from is I think it's very hard to regulate what Brody's pushing. Um, but I think if you go too far the other way, we become a stuffy stuck up sport. I, I feel like, I feel like you can regulate it though somehow. And it's not even so much like the it's not even so much like the you know the PDGA or the disc golf pro tour that regulates it. I think a lot of it is just like the the players once they start realizing like, hey, I need to kind of look a little more put together, right? Like that 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 stuff matters a little bit. And right now, and how disc golf has been in the past, it's different, right? Because you, it's just it's the same whole notion it's the same whole notion of like the argument of like i think giving high fives and stuff like that on the 18th tee box is one of the silliest things in disc golf because i'm literally going to see you in a couple minutes when we're done with 18 and that's when i actually want to shake your hand when we're actually completed all 18 holes not when we've completed 17 but the reason for that is because disc golf used to be where you play bad and you just like bailed as soon as you tapped out at 18 you bailed you don't do that anymore on the pro tour you can't we have to all check our scores make sure that they're verified and post them so you're not going anywhere and i think the same thing with dress code is you could go out back in the day if you weren't on and, and you see this still today people dress differently when they're on feature card than when they're not they do. There are some people that will they'll put on their their nice shirt or whatever when they're on feature card and and wear whatever they want when they're not. And sure. I think you're going to start seeing less and less of that happening because like at a course like Maple Hill, regardless of what time your tea time is, guess what? You're still in in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. So gone are the days. Well, at least at some tournaments like this Nevin course that we're playing out here, like. Obviously, it's a tour championship. There's not that many people on the course. So there were fans watching every card. But a course like this, there if you went out early in the morning, you probably wouldn't see any fans. But on some of these other tournaments that we have, there are fans all over the course. So if you go out and you look like a slob, like you're saying, people are going to see it. And I think that is going to be a huge thing of, in the future, people not wanting to have that look. And, so, and also, so are, you making, are you making my point for me then? Like if, if 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 you think it's okay then for people to be thinking and put into a mindset of we should be looking a little bit more professional than looking a lot like a slob, right? If we want to err on a side, for sure. professional versus slob, to help elevate disc golf overall, why wouldn't we want to do that? For sure, and like the 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 pants, the shorts or whatever that you're talking about that I was wearing that you said were like basketball pants. Those are actually like the pants that I wore for ultimate Frisbee. So again, when I was you wearing them ultimate Frisbee. Context matters. <laughs> sure. But I'm, I'm actually going to actually help your point here for a second. So just one second. So <laughs> when I'm wearing those for ultimate Frisbee, no one questioned anything. 
Yeah. Now, when I'm wearing those for golf, I realize that those type of style of shorts, like the super thin, um, yeah. kind of almost reflective a little bit, they, they didn't really look that well. And obviously they have logos and stuff for my ultimate Frisbee teams and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it didn't really look that well. And so, uh, I ended up going out and purchasing like four or five new pair of shorts, um, at, um, you know, a, a sports store to where I can have like, now when I wear a black shirt, I have black, uh, brown shorts that go with that. And I have, uh, you know, blue shirts or blue shorts to go with my white shirt. And I have like stuff. So I'm not like wearing ridiculous colors that don't really look that great and all that stuff. So yes, obviously there is an aspect of, and again, if you want to go out and you want to dress terribly in the sense of like, I don't know, Hunter, you were a design major. So like, what are two colors that don't go well together? Oh boy, don't put me on the spot like that. I mean, come on now. (laughs) Clothing wise, I mean, if you go like navy and black, that's going to obviously clash. Some dark brown and black you're going to be brutal with. No, give me like, give me like a yellow and like lime green. Is that good or no? I mean, that sounds dope. Nowadays, though, so many things can look good together because it's kind of trendy to be like that. But yellow and green a lot of times can look (laughs) bad together, sure. Okay, what about stripes and stripes? I've always heard you're not supposed to do that. Stripes and stripes, if they're going the same direction, maybe. But if they're going opposite directions, you're going to look brutal. Okay, there you go. So someone <laughs> someone shows up and someone shows up in striped shorts, horizontal, and a vertical striped shirt. Like that's something that they have to deal with. You know, people thinking they don't look good. And here's the thing: at the end of the day, because regardless regardless of what your dress code is, some people are going to dress better in what the you know. Oh sure in the um in the eyes of the spectators right there are some people that are gonna be like that person dressed really well and there's gonna be some people that don't dress as well and it's gonna happen regardless of whether you have a dress code that's more in your words professional or not but i think at the end of the day like you know should we should we leave that up to just always the players or should the organization and uh, the oversight in general that's saying, okay, where's the direction we want to take the sport? Also getting feedback. It's not nothing of this I mean, is in a vacuum, right? I guess You're always we, getting feedback from the players. You're getting feedback we should wrap from this up people because are doing we, we should wrap this up because we've been on uh, and, and there's a bunch of people that want to come on. Oh, yeah. So, no, no, you're fine. This was good. This was great. Um, I, I guess I'll just wrap it up as this. This is an individual sport, and one of the big things – with individual sports is showcasing your individual personality, your individual creative side and all that stuff. Now, obviously there is a line that eventually needs to be drawn of like what's okay and what's not okay. But the last thing I want to do is take that away. I think I'm with you. I I can agree with you there. I think style, flair, uh, personal expression. personality. Can, can absolutely can show. And Jerma's doing that. And others are doing Everybody, Lots of people are doing that. And, like, I don't and there think, is a dress code. So, and like, I don't even think Jerm looks bad. Like, that's, I, 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 the reason why I brought up like the strawberries and the hot dogs and all that stuff is simply just because you, that is not the traditional thing that you would see like a golfer wear. Oh, so, I agree. Like, yeah. I actually, I, I think that's fine. Like, if you want to go out and you want to wear that too. stuff and that's your style and that's your personality, Go for it. That's fine. Like, there's going to be some people that love it, and there's going to be some people that don't like it. I think that brings flair to disc golf. I like that. I just think there's a huge oversight, and and this happens a lot in, like, niche sports of where people try to figure out, like, the Ultimate Frisbee, the number one thing of why Ultimate Frisbee isn't bigger, 
we're not in the Olympics. Oh man, once we get in the Olympics, it's gonna blow up. You just wait. As soon as sure, yeah. I think that's just a common theme in a lot of niche sports is like trying to figure out why isn't more popular? Why why aren't we having more people? Like Hunter picked up pickleball. Guess what? Pickleball is pretty much like a is very similar to tennis. It's another racquetball sport, which is a huge sport. And so people that play tennis are going to obviously be able to play pickleball when you get older and you can't play tennis and you still love tennis pickleball is super easy because you're not running around much. It's a no brainer of why that's picking up steam disc golf. There is nothing like it. it there isn't ultimate Frisbee is not big. So like this, the one sport that we might have people coming over as they get older, ultimate Frisbee, because their knees don't work like that's not a big sport. So, like, we're not going to have this big explosion like Pickleball did where they're draw, dragging, uh, you know, millions and millions of people in uh, because it's another option for tennis. Like, disc golf is going to be a niche sport. It always will be a niche sport. It will never be. Um, and mainly because it derives as a variation of a more superior sport in golf. And I know people are going to hate that. But it is what it is. Like golf was there first. Someone was like, hey, golf is really cool. Can we do that with a Frisbee? And that's what disc golf is. And like I love disc golf for sure. But you're never going to change the minds of hundreds of years of people looking at disc golf as just another variation of Frisbee. Or as golf. Sorry. As golf. Sorry. Uh, I, I think time will tell him that that would be a very that would be a very interesting thing to explore. A few years down the road, that's a it's an interesting point. I'd be curious to see how that how that changes over time. I don't think I agree with you. It's not golf. It never will be golf, right? Completely agree with you. Golf. What was what was first, roller hockey or ice hockey? I don't know. You have to tell me. Probably ice hockey. Yeah, I I I can't think of a roller hockey professional league. So I'm assuming the ice the professional. I would agree with you. Disc golf's niche. A hundred percent agree with you. But like that's that's kind of like roller roller hockey's not going to get bigger than ice hockey. It's just not. I'm not not saying disc golf should be bigger than golf or will ever be golf. I'm not making that prediction. I'm just asking: Is there another level of niche that we could be at? Oh, for sure. Disc golf has tons can help. And then disc golf has tons and tons of potential. Disc golf has tons and tons of potential for sure. I just, I'm not on board with saying that the dress code is one of those things that is holding disc golf back. Cause a lot of times the people that are wearing like the ridiculous outfits and stuff that you mention aren't even on coverage, but all right, Hunter, let's bring some other people. I appreciate you calling in. That was the best debate we've ever had. So that was good. Thank you for listening to me, and I've appreciated your, your comments and, and talking. And uh, just, hey, if you need a, someone to give you an opposing view on anything, you just tweet back at me, and I'll just I pick, like the it. Opposing, I'll pick the opposing view, and we'll go for it. I like it. Appreciate it, Bobby. All right. You guys take care. Thank you very much. All right. one, one thing, before we get into any specifics, you know, with, like, Natalie Ryan and other players on tour is they are not doing anything wrong right now. By any means, they are playing well within the rules. They're doing exactly what the PDJ has asked them to do. And every win that happens, every place that they take is absolutely theirs to take. Um, And that's not on Natalie Ryan. That's not on Chloe Alice or any other players out there on tour. Uh, That's the PDGA's decision. If the PDGA has laid out these rules, these players are playing by those rules. And anyone who comes after Natalie Ryan or anyone like that, that's unacceptable because what's she supposed to do? She fought, she's following the rules that were laid before her and she's playing disc golf. And that's exactly what she's expected to do. Yeah. It's just, it's a tough line because it's, it's very easy with this topic to shift the blame to the player. If, if you think that there is an advantage and stuff like that, when 
like I said, what is Natalie Ryan supposed to do? The the rules were put before her. She abided by every one of the rules, played a fair game, won fair and square, and then people come after her. I, that's not a fair. That's not a fair shot. She she did everything she's supposed to do. She won. That's that. She didn't steal money from anyone. She didn't do right. anything. Like that. She played the game fair and square with the rules that were put before her, and she came. Right. I I just think that's definitely something that needs to be at least changed and looked at because we see all these other examples of where trans athletes compete in FPO and it's just like not even close to how they come in there and just automatically beat people. Like they can be six hundredths in the world in a male sport and then go into the female uh, division and just dominate. We see that repeated over and over again. So, you know, somebody and I'm I'm hoping disc golf can figure out what that looks like within disc golf, Um, Mm -hmm. because I like, you know, things like swimming. I think that swimming made the decision that had to be made because the things that gave uh, players or yeah, players advantages in swimming are things that couldn't be changed. And is disc golf one of the sports? Possibly. I think that's what the, the science has to figure out. And I don't know what studies they're doing or referencing, but I think that it's that's why the IOC, I think, made the decision, the Olympic Committee made the decision they did is because it needs to be sport by sport because there's some sports that, yeah, there's just uh, advantage that no matter what, you know, the body build type like that or, or uh, you know, ligament strength, different things like that that do have a drastic advantage and that's not going to change, unfortunately. And I think the toughest part is then figuring out what's next, because I think that also everyone would realize that transgender players would be at a disadvantage in MPO because of all the whole process of transitioning, you know, that's very tough on the body and all the different pills and everything that that's obvious disadvantage in MPO. So it's one of those things where it, it, some sports, you know, players might not fit into either category. And that's where it's such a tough answer because the last thing you want to do is isolate and tell a percentage of the population you're not welcome in our right. Because right. That's yeah. not right, exactly. Yeah, that's not my opinion either. I don't think she should be banned from the sport. Let him compete. It's just what's fair for everybody in that situation and not just them. That's all. And that, that also is a tough reality too is there is a, there is a you know, line that – realistically you're not going to find something that's fair for everyone um depending on what the science says obviously but like in swimming for instance you're not finding something that's fair for everyone because like i said there's a clear disadvantage uh that you don't like you don't really need to look at much science there's a clear disadvantage for transgender players in the like mpo the open division competing against males with full testosterone everything like that there's a clear well, disadvantage there, so that's never going to be I, fair. I don't know. I don't think it's a clear disadvantage there. I really don't. I, I mean, I think I think that's pretty obvious, at least in my eyes. I could be wrong. I'm no scientist or doctor. That's why I try to stay out of it and let them let, let them handle you know all the science behind it. But yeah. Well, well, like, I was going well, oh, to say, say two things about it. One, I think regardless of regardless of what the decision is, I think a decision needs to be made at some point like this off season, probably going into next season. I think the fact that right now it feels like it's kind of, you know, up in the air almost, if you will, uh, of where they haven't really come out with concrete, like this is what it's going to be for forever. Or where it seems like they're still like looking into it. Right. Yeah. I think something needs to come concrete going into the next season. 
The last thing I was going to say, too, is it's one of those situations of where if someone transitions over and doesn't win and is not cashing and nothing happening, nothing is really being discussed, right? But what happens if three or four people change? And this is like obviously a lot of people are like hearsay, yada, yada, yada. But I think that's where you're going to start seeing a lot more people coming out and saying stuff. Maybe you may even have some people in the FPO division coming out. Obviously, we have seen some people come out anonymously to some of these uh, articles. But I think that, unfortunately, I don't, I don't know if that should be like the spark to have people questioning what should happen and what shouldn't. Um, but it will be a spark for a lot of people if you start seeing uh, people transition over and winning. Um, right. And I think that was the same thing that happened, obviously, in what Hunter's example was with swimming. Um, because it was on such a big national stage, I think that's what kind of led the discussion moving forward. So um, there we go. Um, all right, Hunter, let's grab a couple more. Thank you for calling in, though. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. All right. The next one on the list was Andrew. Uh, Andrew, feel free to pop on whenever you're ready. What's up? How y'all doing tonight? What's doing good. Man? Good. Love the debate. Love the passion in everybody going on tonight. <laughs> um, I'm happy to happy to kind of slow things down a little bit. Um, but I was just curious. I don't listen to debate night a whole lot. Um, but I, w- I don't know if y'all talked about this. But just the idea of having one type of unified disc golf basket that's required to be used at every pro tour event yeah it's definitely something that's probably going to be in the future i think that will be a sponsorship that the disc golf pro tours looking will look into whether they create it themselves or someone pays for them to use their baskets all year wasn't and now oh go ahead i believe there's nothing else to be said hunter that's it yeah can I ask? Can I ask what would be your preference as to which basket that would be? I'm the worst person to ask. Ask Hunter. My okay. preference, the end of a disc catcher, just because that's what I've played on the most. That's what you know the southeast is full of. So that's what I'm most used to. Cool. Awesome. Hey, thank you guys. Appreciate y'all. It. Take it easy, man. Yep. All right. I added the next speaker, Zachary. You're next on my list. Hey. So I have a. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I think that Paige Pierce only has four world titles and technically needs two to become the GOAT. So back in 2015, uh, they were playing Worlds. I forget where that, but Sarah Hall had a 10 stroke lead going into the round mm-hmm. and got in a car crash and took part for the yeah. first several holes. And then Paige ended up winning by one stroke and, uh, she gave Sarah the difference in the payout and the trophy. That is true. That is a valid that is a valid point in a very tough situation. I remember that world, I believe, was in Pennsylvania in Pittsburgh. Um, and yeah, I mean I'm trying to look when what round that happened. I think, I think that round happened four. round five. Four or five, yeah, because it looks like round five, Paige gained 10 strokes back yeah. on Sarah, looking at the PDGA yeah. um, website, and then beat her by two over the next two rounds and still to pull off the win by one. I mean, 
I don't think you can take the title away from Paige. She most likely would not have won, obviously. I think that's an obvious answer. But she still had to play the semis and the finals, still overcome it looks like a two-stroke deficit or a one-stroke deficit, overcame it with two strokes to beat Sarah. And, I mean, at the end of the day in the history books, the, the title goes to Paige. But it is a weird situation because, yes, all signs point to Sarah Hokum would have been the 2015 um, world champion. Because even, I think, when she came back, she was still, like, bruised up i think i remember seeing pictures of her showing up for the course with like a black eye back at, back then um to where she wasn't she was playing with a lot more on her mind than obviously just a disc golf and winning a world championship and she was just put in a situation where her lead that was massive was gone um so uh, yeah i mean i don't think you can technically take it away from Paige, but i can see the argument 100 percent appreciate it zachary i think aaron Dahl was the next one Let's, yeah, let's, let's fly through these. Let's fly through these. We can get through yeah. everyone, and then we can be done. There's like four people. Aaron Dawes, all you. Speed round. Hey, guys, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, so it already got brought up, but my contention was actually with something that was said on Grip Locked, not uh, debate night, so I hope that's Heck okay. Yeah. Yep, um, absolutely. Yeah, so, it's all free game here. So my only contention was, and this is about trans players in FPO, so I hope that's okay. I know it already got brought up, but I just wanted to bring up the Hunter had said that basically anybody could just play in FPO with no real evidence because they don't do uh, hormone testing, basically, was the contention that he had made, I think, right? Does that sound fair? Uh, it was whatever the, the PDGA had a published level of testing um that seemed like that was the standard but if you are a new player to the pdga you don't have to submit that information it's only if you transfer from mpo like you already have an mpo or ma1 track history and you're moving to fpo or fa1 that you have that you're like required to submit it so essentially creating a new pdga bypasses all of that okay so my only thing that i wanted to bring up was just that I think that the rules does state that people can contend with some level of evidence that you aren't actually a female um, and that they could dispute it, right? Correct. So I think just something to, to bring up that wasn't brought up in that was that like transitioning has a lot of consequences outside of disc golf that I don't think a lot of people are considering. And this is something I just never see anybody talk about. They just talk about the disc golf aspect of it and the advantages that uh, they perceive someone might have. But I think it's pretty easy to tell if somebody was just going to go transition to go try and win a disc golf tournament, you'd be able to see how they act outside of disc golf in the real world. And if they were just walking around as a dude 99% of the time and then faked it. I don't think that's it. the argument, though. I, I, I think, obviously, there are people that, that say stuff like that. It's like, oh, you're going to all of a sudden have a bunch of guys transition and and play FPO to win. Like, I don't – I actually don't believe that will ever happen. No. I think the argument is, is this fair for the players that are currently playing in FPO? Well, I think my, my big argument was more so, uh, that wasn't even necessarily an argument, it was more so the PDGA had put forth this standard and then wasn't upholding players to that standard. Yeah, of course. 
that was more my whole issue is like the they had put forth this whole thing and then weren't upholding players to it. So obviously, I don't think this would ever happen. If the money was big enough way down the road and this was never fixed, obviously it could happen. But by nature right now, someone just signing up for the PDGA could sign up for whatever they wanted and not have to prove anything and go play a tournament out of state and then come back home. And what, and you can't contest based on looks or skill. So what do you have when just watching a disc golf round to contest? That was my whole thing was the PDGA has, has these standards and they weren't enforcing them. And I think that that could be a loophole because also if it's not regular testing, like we had been told was going on, then there's also a question of like, is there an advantage gained back by, you know, not taking certain medications or something to where you, you know, it's a fully legitimate yeah. everything, that, but now. Yeah. That's, that's the whole argument, right? Like yeah. no one, no one is debating that men have a physical advantage over women in disc golf. I don't think there's a single person out there that's debating that the debate is by transitioning and taking the medication and all that stuff. Does that eliminate the advantage? Correct. That's, that is the debate. The debate. And if the answer to that is yes, it does eliminate the, the advantage, then it clearly doesn't eliminate the advantage if someone doesn't take the medication, right, or misses a couple weeks or whatever. Like you would assume that the advantage doesn't fully come back, right? Like Again, I don't know how any of this really works, but my only thought is like if you have to take medication to take away the advantage – if you stop taking that medication and my pin, like my, my thought process is like the advantage is somewhat coming back at some level. So then that, yeah, I, yeah, I would clarify that it, it, this trans like it takes years of, of hormones and stuff to, to really have huge effects. It's not like a, you're going to miss it for one day and you're going to suddenly throw 25 Correct. feet farther the next day. So like, it's definitely, it would have to be a deliberate, Absolutely. ploy at a point it wouldn't just be like an accidental yeah. thing that happened Absolutely. But I guess the question I think, there, the question okay yeah sorry go ahead. i was gonna say i just think the pdga should have everything in 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 place the, with testing and regular testing all that to make sure that the years off of the medication or whatever doesn't happen because it might be years off makes it yeah slowly come back again i'm not a doctor i don't know how fast things come back go away all of that but if, if at some point in the in the future it does come back, to, to me, the PDGA should know what that timeline is. That's why the medical committee should exist, and they should have the regular checks to make sure that doesn't happen. Because is, is it just the hormone levels? Is that what we're talking about? Mostly, yeah. Yeah. For yeah so, so if the PDGA deems that in order to play FPO, you ha- your hormone level has to be below this, right? And they, they, they've decided that everything else – that comes with being born a male, I guess, like that doesn't have any impact in having an advantage. And the only advantage is the hormone level. Then that hormone level has to be tested at at least, you know, that's what you're saying, Hunter. Like it has to be, they have to come up with some sort of system of like, we're going to test every quarter and make sure the hormone level is where it needs to be. Yeah. Because like that, if, if that's what we have to do to make it fair, then like, you got to test that's it, what i'm sure. saying because like if if the science is it's every three years then sure let's test it every two and a half years to make sure that it's in a body if it's every True. quarter like you just said then let's test it every quarter what 
that's where we got to follow the science is make True. sure a doesn't exist b once it doesn't exist the advantage doesn't exist how quick how often do we need to recheck to make sure that advantage still doesn't exist and we just abide by that rule and then it's then what's the problem i don't think i mean people will still have a problem but they won't have a valid argument by at, at all if that's all true and that all goes through my whole thing was what what the pga was claiming they were doing and what it seemed like was going on wasn't what was actually going on and that was my whole problem okay and uh, and i'll just uh i'll give some sorry Sorry, go ahead i uh i just uh i'll give my final thoughts here and then you guys can kind of close it out and move on because i don't want to take up too much of your time but um my i feel a lot better having actually talked to you because just the impression i got from the grip locked episode was that it, it, you guys kind of thought maybe somebody would just be able to kind of show up to a tournament and win. And, and I, I know you guys don't after talking to you, but I think there are a lot of people that like genuinely believe that's happening. And I think if we could get past that, maybe people wouldn't be so mean to Natalie and stuff. I don't think that the directed targeting of, of a player that's following the rules is, is cool. So I feel a lot better having actually talked to you and like, working that out and and i i agree with everything you guys are saying that testing should definitely be done to an extent when we can figure out what that is and um i just wanted to make sure i got to voice the the fact that i don't think that that's what people are doing like there's a lot of consequences that come along with transitioning that you know you people get treated like crap look at how natalie gets treated and and it and i don't think people are out there doing that so i just wanted to be able to 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 say that so thanks for hearing me out yeah, thanks for calling in, man. Appreciate it. Hunter, let's grab a couple more people Yeah, while you're driving I'll someone. Say, I'll say this really quick. Oh, go ahead. I mean, a lot of people I have seen, obviously, there's a lot of people coming after Natalie, and I've talked about this just briefly previously. I think people that come after Natalie in this situation either don't understand that she's following the rules to a T or just mean people. And so all you can really do is explain, like, what was she supposed to do? These are the rules in front of her. She's abiding by every rule and she won. And then like the remaining people that are still coming after her, they're just mean people that you're not going to like, there's no, you're wasting your breath trying to convince them. Uh, and so that's the PDGA, kind of right. Yeah. Cause even at the PDGA or heck, even the disc golf pro tour, right? Like they decide that they are not going to care what the PDGA says. And they're like, we're going to have our own rules. If they come out and say, you know what? Actually, the advantage of being uh, born a male is is far you know far exceeds any medication you can take, uh, and we need to protect the FPO division. If they come out and say that, and like say like this is the rules that we're putting in place, you still can't come after Natalie and like get upset with what she did because again, like you said, like the rules are the rules currently, and. It's, it's a very interesting topic that I'm going to be very interested 20 years from now to look back on because there's just so many things in life where, I don't know, like, heck, 20 years ago, right? Like being a homosexual, like that, like the, like just coming out and saying that 20 years ago is way different than what it's, ne- what it's like now. And so it's yeah. going to be, I see 20 years from now how we look back on, you know, our decisions and stuff moving forward here. But all right, let's grab a couple more. Absolutely. MD Sanchez, I believe you were, you were next up. I'm going to just go straight through the ones. Everyone that's been added to the speaker, we'll get you rapid fire and then we'll wrap up the show there. Okay. Oh. 
All right, long-time listener. Hey, I appreciate you guys uh, taking me on here. Wanted to debate you guys on if disc golf needs more cuts. And maybe this is more at the disc golf pro tour level, but from a marketability perspective, I, I look and I browse on you disc and I'm looking down the leaderboard and I'm seeing guys that are teeing off at like, you know, 9 30, 10 a.m. They're so far out of the tournament. It's it's almost like they're wasting, you know, they're wasting a lot of time here. Uh, and so I feel like in order to market disc golf better, if we cut the field to where, hey, everybody who makes the cuts in the money, all of a sudden we have less players, but more attention on those players. So taking kind of a page from ball golf, but also being able to really hyper focus and really build up the, the character lines and getting the average Joe who, who might not know too much about disc golf, give them an opportunity to uh, to have that opportunity to see more players and not just the one focal card on post postcard production. Curious as to y'all's thoughts on that. Yeah, two thing two things on that. One, I think again it's it's kind of growing pains, right? The reason why cuts and disc golf aren't very prominent is simply because you have this idea of like these people have traveled to these tournaments and they view these tournaments more on the lines of like a fun vacation. You know, a lot of times that's how it was. Worlds is still like that. You still have, you know, half the field that join worlds that know they have no chance of winning or probably even cashing, but they're in the field because they want to be a part of the experience that is slowly getting phased out with the disc golf pro tour. And I think now we kind of talked about this on debate night with these um, elite plus events that are four days of four day events that have cuts. Like, I think those are slowly going to get, um, more and more common and then you're going to see it. And, and the second thing to that, why I think cuts are really important is my round today, four people playing in a very, a very short course. It wasn't a long course. It's a very short course. It should not take very long to play, but having four people play that wooded course took for absolutely forever, took absolutely forever. And you have cuts. You can, now you can instead of having four sims go out, you can have everyone go out in three sims. Obviously, there's gonna be some people like, well, you can't do that. The PJ yeah, whatever. The Pro Tour can decide what they want to do. And if that's a better product of where we can just go out in three sums, the pace of play is way better. The, it's better for the fans and spectators watching. Um, it's just gonna be a more enjoyable experience. So I'm with you on that. I like the cuts and it puts a little pressure on the first two days. So I'm all with it. Got, got one right. final one for you guys specific to, yeah, yeah, to Q, Q school and more qualifying potential. It might be, it might be early now, but do you guys see a, a potential for some type of a Q school like there is in, in ball golf? Once we, once we get a full touring like field, which we don't currently have, then I think you can start looking into it. But right now we still need like local people to fill a lot of the spots in tournaments. So once, once you have 140, 150 people willing to tour and go to all these events, then I think it matters. And, and, and that's the time. That's the time to start looking into it. But I'm sure they're probably already planning something or if they're not, they should be um, because we're not. I just think it would generate so much more money when, when you think about it in ball golf. I know they're spending a lot of money to try and get their tour cards, but I mean, imagine every week there's a qualifying event 
it cuts back on the field per se, but they're still paying a lot of money to play in these in the qualifiers. I think yeah, it could be an element to add cash to these tournaments and really bump up the purses. Yeah, I think I think I think a qualifier where like one or two people get in at every event should happen. I agree with that. Just not the course that we're practicing. <laughs> Yeah, and that, that's exactly right because that's what exactly what happens on Corn Ferry, you know, PGA. They go play PGA. another course. Yeah, go they play. go play somewhere else. All right, hey, I appreciate you guys, and definitely thank you all for uh, for this. This is a great to great to be able to, to debate that with you guys. Yeah, it's good to be back. Appreciate it, brother. Appreciate it. All right, let's go, Quinn. You're up next. What do you got, real quick? All right, I got a question for you guys. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't. I think you really debated it. Um, I don't want to speak for you, but you guys said that uh, in regards to payouts and growing the sport that you think more money needs to go to the top, I think it should be the other way. But uh, go ahead and clarify if you have any uh, different points. More money should go to the bottom of the field? Yes, that's what I believe. Yeah, I mean, I think we're going to disagree. Explain explain why. Okay, so you guys are you, when you guys were talking about this, you were talking about growing the sport. And as far as I'm thinking, more money and more people, I think you're going to get that by more money going to the bottom because you're going to get way more players going. If you let's say you have a hundred thousand dollars and you're going to add it to the payout of a tournament, if you put you know seventy five thousand toward the top, nobody, I don't, you might get more people watching, you might get people playing more intensely, but you're going to get way more people um, who are you know, borderline, you know, maybe somewhere in Hunter's skill set that are going to join the tour and play if you add more money to the no bottom one of the payouts. No is playing on tour. Quinn, I got, a, I got a question to counter it slightly. Let's say that I'm good enough to, to now cash. Let's say that I'm good enough to just barely cash at pretty much every pro tour. Every once in a while, I can pop in the top 20. Let's say that's my skill set. And so I'm coming like 40th place. Um, and in your model... I'm making a, a decent living and the guys ahead of me are barely making any more than me. What's my motivation to get any better and push the sport forward? See, that's the point. I agree that participate and pay, my, pay more money to watch. Go ahead. So you're breaking up. We're having a hard time hearing you. Try again. Yeah, it's part of that. Oh, sorry about that. Is, is now better? Yeah, you're good right now. Hello. Okay. So yeah, the, you might be, you may not be as motivated, but you're going to have way more people who are around your skill set, being interested in playing and adding more money to the sport. Yeah, it's, it's, I guess it's, it stinks because you're not going to have many more people just motivated, and yeah, you're still going to add more money to the top. But in proportion, if you add more people to the, more money to the bottom, you're going to have more people interested, more people um, who weren't previously. Uh, putting money into the sport, you're going to add more overall. I think you're talking two different things, Quinn. I think you're Wait. talking about growing the tour, whereas when I'm talking about growing the sport as a whole, because to me, it's more important that the top half of the field is pushing the sport to a new level, a new level, and being more exciting for me sitting at the couch at home than I at home. I'm watching a tournament. I'm still watching the top 10 guys, but now the field on tour is 300 instead of 120. That doesn't change anything to me at home. What changes to me at home is the guys at the top, like this season, there's way more people fighting for those spots because there's way more money on the line both on and off the course because people see 
hey, if I'm performing at the top level, I'm now worth 500000 to a million dollars a year to a sponsor. That's what is, in my mind, I could be completely wrong. I think that's what's really changing disc golf right now is people see how much money they can win both on and off the course. And that's what's making the sport you know, more exciting to watch at home, which I think is in turn growing the sport as a whole versus I think your model grows the tour, but might not necessarily grow the sport. Sure. But are you, yeah. What are you, are you thinking that there's people that aren't on tour that should be on tour right now? Partially. But I think my main argument is that if you're wanting to grow the sport by it being more intense and more people watching, well, who's watching right now? People who are already playing. If you're increasing the payout of the top people, are you getting more people who don't play disc golf or don't typically watch disc golf to watch i'd say no i'd say we're not i'll go ahead i was just saying before you go on like disc golf is one of those sports like tennis like golf where you have people the people that are paying attention play the the minority of people tuning in are going to be people that are just tuning in for entertainment standpoint right like we might have you might have some people tune in for USDGC. You might have some people that tune in for Worlds uh, at some point that don't play disc golf. Similar to like me, like I don't really play tennis anymore. I used to a lot as a kid. I don't anymore, but I'll still watch the majors. I'm not watching a random tennis tournament during the week. I'm just not going to do that. And I think as disc golf gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Uh, you are going to have some people that are like, oh, yeah, I used to play disc golf as a kid. It was a lot of fun. The world championship is on. Let me watch that. Um, but the sport is going to grow as more people play disc golf. Like that, that's just how golf, that's just how a lot of these niche sports are. Like, yeah, but don't people that watch them play the don't sport. Don't you think you'll get more people playing if, you know, there's, there's people who are talented, but they're like, oh, I can actually like go in tournaments and, and play and make some money, whereas now it's like a lot of the average players um, or maybe those borderline players, they're not even paying attention because there's no point in them trying to make a big tournament if they're not going to make any money. Well, I think they realize they're not good enough to make any money. Okay. <laughs> like, well, I'm just saying, you're saying, you're saying that there's local, there's local people that play and win like local tournaments and they're not – they're not going on tour yeah, because they feel like they can't make enough money. Yes. Well, they're not good enough would be my, yeah, argument. I'm just saying that more people who are in the, the lower skill level, if you're trying to grow the sport, get more money that, that, that doesn't help the tour though. Having more bad players on tour. Right. But I'm, they're not going to get, they're not going to get on. They're not going to get into an event. Like they're, like it's hard getting into events now, you know, as far as skill level goes. But you're gonna have, let's say, a thousand more people might try and get on who are in that borderline uh, skill level. You're gonna have that many more people playing. So there's still gonna people gonna be people who are gonna get in. You're just gonna have a lot more volume of people versus quantity or quality. I think there. I don't. I'm. I'm trying to understand your argument. I think there are a lot of people right now that want to play on tour but they're not good enough. And so they're practicing and they're doing what they can to eventually get on tour. I'm just saying more people who are able to get on tour and participate um, is going to bring more eyeballs to the sport because of those people who are playing, you know, people they know, people who are just playing local courses, they're going to be more interested. They're going to put more money into the sport. 
they're not going to be on coverage though. You're not going to see them. Right. But you're getting, you're getting more people who are then interested and just uh, watching and putting money into the sport overall. I guess I'm not really understanding. I don't know how like a local pro joining some tour event is going to make a huge difference. You're saying like it doesn't even have to be local pros, but like people who are in those, those lower skill tiers are going to be participating more, adding more money because they realize, oh, it's more viable for me to make a living. So you're going to have a lot more people on the lower end. But those people aren't going to be cashing. So even if you put more money at the bottom, they're not even going to get to that money. Well, you're going to have a lot more people trying, though. There are a lot of people trying right now, though. There was like there was like 200 people that just tried to qualify for USDGC. Okay, but I'm saying if you if you wanted to add fifty thousand dollars to USDGC, are you going to add it all to the top, or if you get more people or add it to the bottom? No, no, no. It's it spreads out. It spreads out. It spreads out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying proportionally. If you add more to the bottom, you're going to get a lot more interest in terms of volume of people. See, yeah, yeah, I, I guess we're just gonna agree to disagree on that. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how far we can go with that, but appreciate it's an interesting point. It's an interesting point, but we appreciate yep, you no calling problem. in. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. All right. Looks like we got three more. I don't know what just happened, Hunter. I don't I, know I, what just happened. I don't. I don't quite know either. I was trying to understand what was going on. All I got was like. If you if if fortieth place instead of getting five hundred dollars gets a thousand dollars, you're gonna get more people to, to play. It's like those people can't get in the tournament. I think maybe he didn't know the the tour fields like full every event. Maybe he maybe I, I don't know. Fang, uh, let's see, Fangwu ETH, you're up. Hey guys, I tried. I tried my best. All right, let's hear. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, so I joined like halfway through, so apologies if like this already comes. No, you're good, man. All right, cool. So I want to talk about uh, coverage and like how basically how uh, this whole network monetizes this coverage and puts it behind a paywall. I think it's a terrible idea. I think it's hurting the sport. Like the fact that Yannon Burr, you know, arguably, you know, made history by being the youngest player to win USDHC and like nobody saw that. That's just. I know. I think that's just a tragedy. Uh, over, over like probably 40,000 people saw it probably. Yeah, which is not a lot, right? So like I would argue that a substantial amount of people who like follow the stuff in game. Like Jomez gets probably. Exactly. I think, like, I think Jomez brings more people into the sport than live coverage does. And the fact that the post coverage is also, uh, you know, uh, behind a paywall. Right, it's thirty days afterwards. It just loses all the hype and excitement around the tournament. Well, here's here's a very interesting thing. What is what's another sport that you watch um, post, like after the fact, not live? What's another sporting event that you don't watch live? Uh, there's sometimes I you know I I follow esports. There's sometimes I uh, where I, I watch the esports tournaments afterwards. Yeah, esports is actually a good one. That is a good one. I think that's a very interesting thing that disc golf has that the majority of other sports don't have. Um, I I don't know, Hunter. Like, you let me know if you have ever done this. I don't think I've ever gone on YouTube and like 
watched an entire old NBA game or entire NCAA game or we're talking heck, even golf. golf. What's like, that? I, I back to like watch Michael Jordan, but that highlights are like a full game broadcast. May I, I feel like I've watched like maybe his flu game. I feel like I've watched that through, but I wasn't yeah. born to watch it live. It's or just like, it's, it's just a very, it's a very unique thing to disc golf. I was talking to Jonathan from Joe mess too, about it, of how like, it's just so unique to disc golf. Unlike any other, most of the other sports that are, you know, on TV and stuff like people watch them live. And if they don't catch them live, they, you know, see a highlight package or something like that. That's how they digest it. They don't go back and watch the four hour broadcast. Now, you know, I, I, I don't know why that is with disc golf. I honestly don't. I have a really hard time grasping why people love watching, why people love going back and watching 2018 GMC. I don't know. I I don't, to me, it doesn't make any sense. Um, The only time I ever go back and watch coverage is to study it as far as like what shots, like I normally will go back and watch the previous year before a tournament to see what shots they're throwing, what lines they're throwing. And that's just like a study thing. Um, I would never do that. Like, for example, um, what, what was the tournament, the Silver Series in like Pittsburgh or whatever? What was that? Butler County. Butler County, yeah. Never going to watch that. Never going to watch it because I'm not playing that tournament. So there's no reason. Now, I don't know if I'm in the minority. I think I am. I think most disc golfers love going back and watching old coverage of stuff. And again, I I do not know why that happens in disc golf and not in other sports. Um, so, it is so, a mystery. But so I here's think my take, right? What I, I think disc golf is better post than live. And maybe I'm just I'm, this is my crazy take, but like I feel like when people watch disc golf, they appreciate like the craft of disc golf, throwing the disc, picking lines, just like throwing good shots, right? Do you think On it's live better- coverage. Do you think Jomez Pro's coverage is better than live coverage of an NFL game or an NBA game? Uh, the production quality is not. No, I wouldn't say so. No. It's a so different you sport, think though. If, so do you think if – no, no. Yeah, my point was do you, if you, do you think as live gets better and better and better? Because clearly, clearly what Jomez is doing is not better than what other live productions are doing, right? So if – the disc golf network continues to get better and better and better to where they get closer to a PGA broadcast or to an NFL game broadcast. And cause I agree with you. I agree with you in the sense of like, yes, sometimes the broadcast misses stuff or switches to a camera angle at the wrong time where Jomez has six, you know, gatekeeper, all these people have like the six cameras going all at once and they can go and see what the best shot is, when to change all that. So you're going to get a better product in the sense of like watching the shots. The only thing you're missing, which is kind of the key point is like, it's, it's a live sport. And like one of the big things with live sports, I think is the interaction with other fans and you're never going to get that with watching something on Monday. Well, also the, uh, also, the the drama that builds from other carts. I mean, that's you know, back Maple Hill. Simon Lazat won off the chase card, and it was absolutely electric because on live you're watching Simon come down the stretch, then you're watching Linus Carlson and Corey Ellis come down that same stretch behind him, 
and you're getting the full story because it wasn't only Simon. I think at a time Paul was in the tournament, different players were in the tournament, and you're getting this full story across three cards that Post just isn't going to do. Um, and so to me, I think I think that live disc golf gets a worse rep than if live disc golf was the quality it is right now and had the amount of coverage it is right now, you know, five years ago, I think we don't have the same conversation. I think the issue was live coverage and post-produced coverage were the same thing for so long. Live was just a four-hour version of it. And it's like, why do I want to watch that when I can watch 30 minutes on Monday? Versus now, they're two completely different things. Jomez, Gatekeeper, they're almost more like a highlight package of one card. And live yeah. is the whole event. I think that's what's going like, to happen when what's going to happen when that happens more often of like someone on chase card winning. Then that, Joe, I mean, that's, that's going to be tough for Jomez, right? So Correct. when you watch Jomez world's coverage, right, they're able to weave in storylines from chase cards, right? So not like post coverage ignores chase cards. I think you can still tell the storylines. Like my issue with live, but the timing, the timing is so quick. It's so, I mean, you're getting the cliff notes, right? And like you're not the story that they already know the ending to. Whereas when you're watching it, lot like, for instance, Maple Hill. Why would I tell a story of a guy who puts on this insane run through seven holes, then blows up on eight, nine, and ten, and is irrelevant by hole eleven? Versus live, that's a big drama factor. If a guy on chase card now he has a four-stroke lead through seven holes, and then he blows up, there's all this drama that. It's completely worthless to post-produce because it doesn't have anything to the end of the end of the story. They've already seen the story. And I think that's post-produce. I think is great for for growing the sport, like your original argument and stuff like that, because there is a chance of Jomez ending up on the trending page. It's happened before, yeah. And there is a chance of you know people stumbling upon Jomez coverage. That's how some people get into the sport, and I think it's a good gatekeeper into the sport. But I think live disc golf, like sports are meant to be consumed live because these things happen and Twitter blows up, our Discord blows up, Facebook blows up, Instagram blows up. And you can tell the shift in disc golf's happening because no longer are all these posts being flooded with comments saying, spoiler, 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 what the heck, you ruined it for me. I don't know the last, spo I've seen maybe like two com spoiler comments in the last like four events. I'm, because hoping, I'm hoping a big breakthrough happens next year. Because I think right now you still have a lot of people that are hesitant to spend the money to watch live. I'm hoping they start – obviously, they have the, the free stuff on, on Sunday. But I'm hoping they start offering 30 minutes free on Thursday, right? Yeah. So you can just see, like, what is it like watching Thursday and getting a little bit more – because obviously, I, I get it. Like, the highlight package, like, is never going to go away for some people because some people no. just don't have the time, right? But at the same token, like, there are going to be some people that, I don't know. It, it's, just, it's, it's one that I've never really quite understood because is, is the majority of people that, that consume – because it's hard to take Jomez numbers for what they are because the, the videos are so long, right? to where you do have some – and also people go back and watch them over and over again. So it's hard to say, like, well, Jomez gets 200,000 people. It's like, well, out of those 200,000 people, like how many are actually unique users? I think live is getting closer and closer. I, I, I think it is. I think before, when I first came into the sport, like it was not even close at all. I, I want to say Waco, um, they told me that I think they doubled – their subscription at Waco, 
So like I think before Waco was like two thousand or something, and then after Waco was like four or five, um, and now it's like a lot bigger than that. But um, we'll see. Live also, I think live also you have way more chances of of adding in uh, commercials, monetization, activations, all that stuff. Um, and like I said, to me, watching live sports, it's not even close because I love having that interaction. I mean, like right now, as we're doing this, there is a, there is a football game going on and there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of people probably just on Twitter alone tweeting about this football game and you can have that interaction. And if you ever have gone into our discord during a tournament and going to like the live tournament feed, it's incredible. Or when you guys did the live, uh, the live uh, watching of worlds, yeah, all that stuff is just so so much more fun than being like, hey, we're gonna watch, you know, what happened on Sunday on Wednesday. Come join us. It just it loses a little power. So I I see what you're saying with it being fully behind a paywall like USCGC. I definitely think that's not the model we should be using for all events. Um, But I really appreciate you calling in. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I think too, it's just one of those. We'll eventually get to the point of where when the sponsor money starts coming in more and more and more, it doesn't necessarily have to be behind a paywall, but for like right now for what it is, uh, you know, it's the same thing as like, you know, we just, it's just, it's just how the way they make money. I don't know how it works. All right. James, Biloxi James is all you. Hey guys. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Brody, going into the offseason, I know you got a, a new contract with uh, hopefully Discraft coming up soon. Uh, would you agree that even though you may not be a top three player at Discraft, you should you are definitely top three with the Dark Horse brand in far as merchandise sales? I, I mean, I have no idea. Discraft is behind Paul and Page. Paul Page, Dark Horse. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't get. I don't get other people's numbers. So I know. I know how much product I move. I know how many discs uh, people buy and all that stuff. Um, I have no idea other people's numbers. Discraft knows that. Um, I will say, and I've always said this: the one thing that is so difficult, and it, it, it unfortunately, it is. It is what it is right now. Is like, you know. If you want, like, if you want to support me, right, and and have money go to me, you buy a Get Freaky Zone for twenty two dollars, twenty three dollars. Some people sell them for twenty five dollars, right? There are zones out there that you can buy that are fourteen dollars. I mean, us right now in Foundation Disc, we have zones that you can buy for I think fourteen ninety nine. Yeah, something like that seventeen ninety nine, right? All the above. Um, and, and so like, essentially I'm competing against a product that essentially is the same. Obviously the, the crystal flex, I personally think is the best disc for, uh, approaching other people will disagree and say they like the ESP or whatever it is, but like that, that's where it's kind of tricky of, you know, if I had my own disc, right, like my own mold. Of where every, you know, if you like this disc and you want this disc, like you have to buy this disc. There's no other option. That's just a completely different ballgame. 
And you see some people have that, right? Like James Conrad has that with the, uh, was it the MB? I think he has the nomad nomad. Uh, Simon's got, he had, was he had, did he have the tilt? Was that Eagle? Simon had the tilt. Yeah. But he has the sky God, you know, the cloud break. Like there's a bunch of other, you know, people that have those discs. It's just, it's just very, very difficult when it's it's set up like that and i've told i've talked to discraft like uh, about this and they know and and i've been very vocal about that of you know it it should show something that if you can move a lot of discs when the only difference really is your logos on them and there's options out there for cheaper yeah well i'm gonna get out uh good luck next season and in the off-season, practice them C2s and eliminate them shanks, brother. See you next hey, appreciate it. I need, I need a lot of work this off-season. <laughs> I can go down – Hunter knows I can go down that disc rabbit hole. It's <laughs> a very uh, interesting – that's another one that, like, 20 years from now, I want to, like, look back. I want to, like, look back and see what – how, like, sponsorships and all that stuff look 20 years in disc golf and, like, be like, oh, man – Either like it's exactly the same, or like wow, we came we came really far away from what we were doing. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. All right, yeah, you can't. Week. Well, hold on one second. One second. No, yeah. The way that they're going right now, eventually, is going to reach a point where it's impossible. Right? Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I mean, they'll come to a decision point if, because if, like, like, like Gannon Burr's a name, right? He wasn't a name last year. Yeah. James Conrad's still a name. Yeah. Even though he didn't really do as much this year as he did last year, right? So there in my what I'm saying is like there are more people that are becoming names. There are more people that fans are becoming a fan of. Like at what point do you have 20 people on your, you know, your you sponsor 20 people, at what point are you cannibalizing disc sales essentially because you have like i mean th this was something i don't know if you guys ever brought this up but like didn't um i think latitude did this right where they had multiple tour series discs uh with people's names did you ever did you have you seen that like they have like four people on the rise uh yeah they do um i don't know if you ever talked about that Gander, stuff like that yeah i don't know if you ever talked about that but like is there come does there come a point of where there's just too many people that are sponsored to where the way that they currently have it structured is just doesn't it, does it just doesn't work yeah no it definitely could get to that point all right next one all right cameron it's all you uh greetings gentlemen thank you for having me uh real quick rapid fire no it's getting late uh i believe when it comes to live coverage and the disc golf pro tour that every other live event the FPO and the MPO fields should be flip-flop for tee times. Uh, real quick, my reasoning for that, uh, mm. I live on the East Coast. It's 9.30 every single time for to see the FPO play. Uh, I, um, I believe if it's flip, I mean, it's going to be 6.30 for the West Coast. So really, the West Coasters, I, I would think, don't get really a chance to see the FPO play. Yeah. If they flip-flop... Uh, the MPO starts at the same time they normally do, but the lead card, since it's a since MPO has a bigger field, probably won't start till I don't know 11, 11 30. 
Whereas that's, you know, now 830 for the West Coasters, they would be able to see that. And then FPO on the East Coast would start a little bit later. So just something I think could get a little bit more coverage for the FPO players and even maybe even the FPO player, or the MPO players. It's definitely a. It's definitely why a did it go back and forth? It's gone back and forth. Why? Why did it go? Why did it change? I don't know. This uh, well, this year. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say the the issue they have ran into in the past. So previously, what what was going on was oh, it's because everyone's tuned off. Well, it was cover. It was a dual coverage. So they were they were doing like nine hole, nine hole, nine hole. So it was like nine holes no. of just you know, nine holes of combined coverage of MPO and FPO, nine holes of just. No, whatever. Prior was to left. that, though, prior to that, I think FPO was at the end. But it was it was all one stream. But what I'm saying, the the issue I think they'd run into is, right now, what happens is FPO, the whole field can go off, and then their round start. They can do the whole FPO round before and still have an hour before MPO lead card tees off. If MPO lead card, if MPO teed off first, ooh, then yeah. they, there's not enough gap. When before FPO starts to where they'd have to do the combined stream again. And the combined stream was a nightmare. Um, I'm very glad they went away from that. I remember that was a whole big talking point. Everyone thought it was growing FPO. And my take, it I was terrible. Right, was that it was hurting FPO because it was, it was making it was a toxic ta- chat if you were ever in it. It was, it was brutal. Um, right, well, I, well, I mean, as far as this year goes, I mean, I, I've watched the most live coverage I've ever watched this year. And every single time, it's FPO at 9.30 Eastern, you know? I'm, yeah. just, I'm, just, I'm just looking at, like, hey, you know, if I was a West Coaster, I wanted to watch FPO. Because, I mean, I like watching FPO, you know? Yeah. So what about the people in the West Coast who like watching that? Do they have to wake up at 6.30 to watch, you know, Kat yeah. and Paige and, and Sarah and, and Kristen? Like, no, it's not, not ideal. mornings, I'd wake up at, like, 3 or 4 o'clock to watch the Tour de France. Like, I think, unfortunately, I think what Hunter just said is, is probably the main reason because they saw – really really bad feedback when they had the combined streams and well don't you think that would change now though that uh dgn is getting a little bit better as far as their live coverage goes no because because you would you would have to push the fpot time so far back because like if mpo if we teed off because like right now uh the first tee times for a lot of our events are like 10 o'clock in the morning and uh and the end uh like 3 30 or so is like when uh, you know feature card goes off so then right. you move everything two hours earlier so that means 130 that means you wouldn't be able to have essentially to give to give your camera ops um like 30 minutes to like recover you would not be able to have fpot off until like 5 30 well well no because like so their field is smaller, right? So I mean, if they're they're starting, what, what no MPO lead card, MPO lead right like, card. If they tee off, if they tee off at one thirty, which is two hours ahead of three thirty, they're finishing around probably five at a lot of courses, right? So then you give your guys that just filmed four hours or three and a half hours or whatever of MPO, you give them thirty minutes to take the bathroom break, thirty minutes to eat something, thirty minutes to do whatever, and then they go film FPO. At right. Five, so you're, so, five, so you're saying it's the same people that are recording both MPO. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They're the people that the people that are filming D- Disc Golf Network are monsters. They're out there all day. Oh, they're I know they are. Yeah, monsters. yeah, for sure. So I mean, is it something that they could revisit, like you know, with 
get i mean it's this way out of my league but like too much money get getting more people yeah i mean not not too like much, a whole new about all the extra hotels you have and all that stuff and the only reason you have an extra camera person is simply because you don't want some people to have to wake up at 6:30 in the morning because it's not just paying them it's also the hotels the travel like everything everything these guys travel like yeah, right the, yeah you know it's like uh it's like a carnival <laughs> yeah so i'm just oh, so like yeah doubling basically doubling their expenses on camera uh on the employees for cam- uh camera ops simply just to have people not have to wake up super early i think right now doesn't make sense yeah R- right now maybe but like would it be something in the future that would make sense because i think you would also want to put whatever product was going to drive the most money in the prime time spot. But how do you know FPO isn't driving certain things if it's consistently at the at that time slot? You know what I mean? I, mean, I know uh, it had like uh, a previous look at the views. Look at right. the views that FPO had when there was a when they had an event by themselves and there was no MPO there. Right. And there was no MPO events going on to compete against it. Right. But I don't have those numbers. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean it's it was what the US women's what was it? U.S. Women's Disc Golf Championship. I don't know. I watched it all, man. I, I mean, everything that was live, I watched. The I mean, final I'm, course was I'm actually. A, I'm fun. a sucker for the live coverage. The final. I, I will. I will say the final course was absolutely fire. Um. Yeah. But yeah, I, I I don't. I think if you look at those numbers, I think. I mean, Disc Golf Network has those numbers too. Of like, they they get decide to what they want to have featured and whatnot. And I'm not saying that they probably don't put. Uh, FPO in the prime time spot sometimes too. I mean, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, hey, okay. that's it. Thank, thank you I guys. Appreciate I appreciate it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Have, have a good I, night. I, I thank also, you. Pers- yeah, take it easy. I also personally like playing in the morning. I feel like a lot of my really good rounds this year have been like when I've had to go out early, like at ten or something. Yeah, so like I would be all for playing at eight o'clock in the morning, um, but you know it is what I think. I think the coverage thing, the coverage issue, is the big issue when it comes yeah. down to it. And also, I'll say, I think you have more like people that are like sitting around being like, "I want to watch disc golf," and and FPO's on, being like, "Oh, I can watch FPO." Where if you have MPO in the morning and you tune in to watch all four hours of the coverage, you might be done with disc golf. You might just be like, all right, I'm tapped out. I I've I got other stuff to do. Very true. Very true. Well, there there it is. This turned Is that into- a wrap? Did we do it? <laughs> yeah, that turned into a full debate night, one of the longest episodes we've ever had versus versus a, you know, little side Thursday stream. But hey, it seemed like it went well. Um, and it seems like something we could pull off. So maybe maybe this is something that we make uh debate night like once a month special once a month yeah once a month. i think we do something like that to where we we keep it special we might even be able to do it on like a monday night to where we can still just post as a normal episode on tuesday once a month especially during the off season that'd be good i think too like if you're listening to this you know i think as you hear us talking because like other people are you know i've seen a couple tweets and stuff being like what are we debating what's going on and it's like as we, talk, we I'll bring up stuff, especially in this off season. Who knows what I'll bring up? But <laughs> like, just jot down in your notes 
be like, Brody said something ridiculous. I want to talk to him about that. And, you know, when we get to the monthly call-in, call in, let's have a chat. Because, honestly, the best conversation we had was the uh, the attire. Yeah. That was the best right. conversation. And he had some good points. He had some good points. I, you know, we went back and forth a little bit here and there. and We're looking for more of that. I think stuff like that is the best. Absolutely. Well, there it is. That's going to wrap it up. Thank you all so That's much. That's all I got. It be here on Twitter Spaces. Silas, do you have anything to say? I don't know if Silas can talk because he's recording. So, so no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's gonna wrap it up. Appreciate everyone for tuning in, uh, whether it's here on Twitter Spaces. All or right, good points, Silas. Great Post points. Um, we'll talk to you all on Tuesday when we're back for the normal debate night. The first episode of the off season. Brody's actually should be in town for that, so that'll be electric in studio. Um, first time in a long time, but thank you all so much for tuning in. Talk to you then.